0: Cast, I'm your host, Matt, and joining me are my newbie co-hosts. Matt? No. Carol. And we are a bunch of hoopleheads. And hoopleheads who are joined today by a very special guest. They call her the mother of intro casts. Oh god. Well one, <laughs> <laughs> well one person called her that one time, and I thought it was funny, so I'm gonna I'm gonna keep calling her that. But you know her from potential cast. Her name is Stephanie. Hi
1: Stephanie. Okay. Hi. I'm not <laughs> blushing now. Uh,
0: <laughs>
2: can you hear me
1: blush? I didn't
2: mean to throw you for a loop there. Can hear it the, always can makes hear, me blush. I can hear the warmth radiating off your cheeks.
0: <laughs> well, but if it wasn't for potential casts, we wouldn't have any of these intro casts. So you started a trend.
1: Okay. Right. I'll, I'll accept that. <laughs> so you're a trendsetter. Okay. Yeah. That's whatever
0: that. else you do in life, you did or you didn't do you did this
1: yeah <laughs> when it, the, the next when i'm on jeopardy i that's something that i could talk to alex about
0: <laughs> absolutely but i won't hear you because if i if i watch jeopardy i always fast forward through the guest interviews because they make me uncomfortable yeah me too
3: <laughs> but if it's stephanie you'll listen no nope, can't
1: nope. <laughs> <laughs> Well, uh, I, well, we won't have to worry about this. I won't be on Jeopardy. <laughs> okay.
0: Uh, Stephanie, why don't you tell us about your experience with Deadwood? What do you did you watch the show when it was on originally, and if you know, what do you like about it?
1: I believe we have watched pretty much every HBO series. Uh, and yeah, we watched. My husband and I watched uh, back in the day live when it aired, and like Carol, I held it at arm's length. Like, I didn't watch it. We, I mean, we watched it, but I didn't get into it because I had a small child. Because, you know, as a mother with small children, it was just the language kind of.
0: It's a barrier.
1: It yeah. is. It is. But now my child is almost grown and has a filthy mouth. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Mine, too. Really? <laughs> yeah. I mean, and it's amazing. You try not to, you know. They're impressionable. You try not to, you know, and affect them, but they just...
2: I don't know just, why anyone tries to shield their c- child from that because you can't.
1: <laughs> well, it's so funny. Uh, there's so many instances I can tell you about, about. When you have
3: small children, your mindset
1: is just totally different than when okay. they're
3: older. Yeah, I mean, and it is different when in middle school and in high school, they start swearing a blue streak and then... We get to, uh, but it's very different from if they start doing that when they're six, because you were watching a show.
4: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It, it I
3: just, think except it's, my kid just has a filthy mouth. Just
5: it just looks <laughs> like, when they're young, though, it just looks like their innocence has been kind of yeah, shattered. You hear them swearing. So.
0: And if it happens, you, you know you don't want it to be you. You did it.
4: Right. Somebody else did.
0: Somebody else taught them those words. Right. In my case, it was my parents. I had to protect my. I lived with my parents at the time when I watched the show, and I had to protect it from them. I had to wait till they were out of the room, or send them out of the room, because otherwise, I would hear Matthew. You know, I don't like that kind of language.
6: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, that's
1: like I tell Morgan all the time. You can't cuss. I I forbid you to cuss. Okay.
3: (laughs) What am I? What do you do? You know. Yeah. With my mother, if. I think when, when I had the one episode on, I believe she walked through the room and said something to the effect of, What is that? (laughs) She really (laughs) didn't need to go any further than that.
2: I never really feel the need to swear like at people or like just in general. The only time I swear is like if I stub my toe or I mess something up somewhere. It's been scientifically proven that swearing lowers your stress level if you like just hurt yourself or something
1: yeah and see all these years you know getting frustrated i just wanted to you know just let it all out and cuss and now i feel like i finally can just let it out i'm not gonna scar my kid you know (laughs) at this point so yes
3: yeah basically the only time i do is when i'm really upset and it's kind of again it's just sending it out to the world i don't usually um Stephanie, I like your word "cuss." Uh-huh. My my dad used to use that one, but I it's been out of my vocabulary, so I feel funny using it. But it's such a great word.
2: Yeah, it really bugs me when 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 like people use like "fucking," for instance, as a substitute for "um." Like it's I... like
5: it's like saying like smurfin, you know? Yeah. <laughs> no, it's just like it's just like when they're when they're like searching. Replace all yeah, they're their... searching
2: for a word
0: and that's the word yeah. That, that Yeah. I, yeah. I went yeah. to the yeah.
2: liquor store and got some fucking uh six pack of beer. For
0: me it's hard not to view those people through the eyes of my parents and they're disapproving and they're they're you know, their tongues going no, no no. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I don't swear very much in real life either, unless I like stub my toe or mm-hmm. okay. uh, I or I'm playing a game and it's like I'm like platforming games, like Little Big Planet. I'm so <laughs> tense holding you the scared. controller, so I have to as a release.
2: <laughs> Fucking floaty jumps.
5: Yes.
0: <laughs> anyway, that is,
5: that is like the most childlike game ever. And like, I know, <laughs> and I never. Up- Yes,
0: it's like a it's a kind of a kid friendly, family friendly game, but if I'm trying to ace a level, I will never swear as much as I do when I'm playing that game. <laughs> you will hear lots of motherfucking cocksuckers when I play that game. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, let's, correction from the last podcast. Uh, we were talking about the Metz family being murdered on the road to Spearfish, and I said that the survivor was the father. And that's because I read an article uh, that said uh, a man survived, and somehow I put it in my head that it was a father. But then I listened to the Real Deadwood podcast, and they had a guy on there. Her name was uh, Jerry something or other from the Adams Museum and House who had worked with the HBO production team, and he says on that podcast, it was the mother and Mets who survived. So I just wanted to put that out there as a correction. Also, an equally important correction, Robin worked at Blockbuster, not Hollywood Video.
3: Oh. Oh.
0: (laughs) I used to like Blockbuster. Damn you, Robin. You put them out of
2: business.
0: (laughs) I think they're still in this the streaming business. Are they? I think so. They had a, a, a partnership with Dish TV for a while.
2: There's been a vacant blockbuster making our mall look ugly for about five years.
5: They just sell cars out of there. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> I also wanted to add, we talked a
0: little bit last week about, or last episode, about Al Swearengen and how much uh, money he would be making, and if he was making all this money, why doesn't he have a house and a mansion and all that? Mm. According to The Real Deadwood by John Ames, he took in $5,000 a night. Oh that's a typical night. Sometimes that reached ten thousand a night. A typical family in 1876 survived on six hundred dollars annually. Wow. If you adjust for today's inflation, five thousand—it's about one hundred and ten thousand dollars a night. Wow. So in our money, that would be like six million per year. What he mm. was bringing in. Huh. But of course, these camps, when they run out of gold, they move on. So that's yep. why he has to make all the money that he can in the in the brief amount of time. Yeah. Well,
1: and I'm sure it, he wouldn't want to advertise to people that he that he was so profitable. Oh, yeah. Good point.
0: So I have here our first installment of Hooplecast Readers Theater, where I have procured articles from Deadwood newspapers back in the day, thanks to the uh, Deadwood Library. I don't know why I say thanks. I paid them a lot of money, and they were kind of snotty about it. But that's Ah, a story for another day. Uh, I have here an article uh, that I sent to Illyrio. He's the first one who recorded it and sent it back. So we're going to listen to Illyrio read something from... Well, he'll tell us where it's from.
6: What shall be done with the Indian. An editorial, July 27th, 1877, from the Black Hills Daily Times. What shall be done with the Indian. One of the gravest charges made against King George the Third of England by our forefathers in their memorable Declaration of Independence was that he has employed against the colonies the merciless Indian savages whose known rule of warfare is an undistinguished destruction of all ages, sexes, and conditions. This unsavory and ferocious character the savage has ever maintained. He is the one element among our population which we cannot civilize or tame. He is the single disturbing quantity which will not assimilate with the rest and become a part of the national life, force, and progress. We can and do have a use for all other races and tribes who come among us, dissimilar as they may be in tastes, different in habits, opposed in religious belief or political principles. But low, straight-haired, copper-colored low is the same what? wild, untutored, lawless savage which our ancestors of two hundred fifty years ago found him. He hates work, has no affinity for a comfortable cottage, and well-tilled acres, while he holds in utter abomination a clean shirt, a tight-fitting coat, clean hands, and well-combed hair. It used to be the fashion, to some extent perhaps as now, to speak of the noble red man of the forest, but distance lends enchantment to the view. Although the truth probably is that, in physical characteristics, the red man of the time of our remote ancestors was a far nobler specimen of manhood than the dwarfed and fast-deteriorating savage of today.
2: Whose fault is that? He has
6: lost all the better traits and habits which were once attributed to him, whether justly or not, while he retains all the vices and degradation, enhanced by the fact that he has lost the nobler trait. Nor is this wholly or chiefly the fault of the white man. What? <laughs> we know that with a certain class of sentimentalists, with eastern editors of a certain type, that all of the blame of the whole matter is laid on the treacherous white and the sordid Indian traitor. We have no desire to screen these piratical outlaws, the Indian traders, and the Indian ring, which have disgraced our government from the merited opprobrium which is theirs. We know full well that these sharks and vultures have preyed on the scanty annuities and the substance of the red man but let us look at facts as they are. Had these miserable nomads of the plains had a particle of sense or desire for improvement in their composition, they would long ago have put a stop themselves to all this miserable thievery on the part of the government agent. They would have got rid of them and soberly set to work welcoming the better class of white men and women who are to be found on the frontier. Certainly they would have had both the discrimination and the humanity to abstain from this horrid, wholesale butchery. Instead of making annual visits to Washington, Indian file, and when there, indulging their love for windy speeches about the pale face and the great white father of the president, they would have stayed at home and devoted their time and their energies to bettering their condition. The truth is, the Indian is a base humbug, full of conceit, vanity, and treachery. He loves show, parade, and fuss. He is just the thing that the Indian agent will bamboozle to get away with. Talk about protecting him, he won't try to protect himself. He doesn't want to be protected. Imagine a set of Indian agents acting, trying to soft-soap and cheat a race of German peasants or Chinese immigrants. They wouldn't do it, for these latter would soon tell them to go about their business while they would set themselves to work in good, sober fashion. We well know that some few tribes of the Indian race have been civilized and become good, law-abiding citizens. We once spent a year among such a tribe, quiet, orderly, industrious, though not very enterprising people they were. But the trash out on the plains are past pure. They are simply standing in the way of better men and their rude habits and life are blocking the wheels of a better and higher civilization.
5: Gross!
2: (laughs) Illyrio, you're a racist! He wrote wrote that, right? (laughs) (laughs)
0: Illyrio, thank you for reading that um, insanely racist editorial. Okay,
1: Uh, they won't work. Well, how about out hunting and gathering all their food I mean, once you have your food and your clothing and your shelter, why do you need to work if you're a Native American?
3: Because it's they aren't coming up to the standards of the culture that is looking down upon them.
0: Don't live to work, work to
3: live. Yes, <laughs> do it our way or the wrong way.
2: I just like all the uh, the calling them savages and stuff when, like... Huh like we're like so just just as bloodthirsty most mm-hmm. of the time, especially back then,
0: but we wear nicer shirts,
2: yes, yeah,
0: <laughs> I like the little line about um Eastern editors of a certain type, yes, that's another kind of a sly oh, media people are are elitist, but yes. you know that-
3: thank goodness that's changed
0: yes, it's the same, <laughs> it's the same philosophy, the uh, liberal media. <laughs> would be the modern spin on that, that article. So I really appreciate that he read that because some people, I are you okay reading racist things? <laughs> He's like, I'm just the voice. <laughs>
3: yeah, that's, so, yeah, that is appreciated. Thank I really
0: you. I really do appreciate that she read that for us. Illyrio.
2: It's fascinating, though, to get a little window into the time that we're observing here in the show.
3: Yeah, the mindset. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: And there are people who are not that far off this <laughs>
0: no, we haven't made that much progress. No, not. really. You're probably not going to see that in print.
2: Mm-hmm. It's
0: a more veiled kind of, mm-hmm. but it's still there.
2: Yeah, that's somebody's internal dialogue now.
5: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, unfortunately. <laughs>
0: We're going to get into the uh, episode recap now. It is morning in the camp. It's the day after the pilot. E.B. is wheeling a wagon carrying the corpse of Tim Driscoll. He brings it to Woo so that Woo's pigs can enjoy a nice breakfast. Tim's dog is yapping at E.B. and E.B. suggests the pigs or Woo himself eat the dog.
2: <laughs> very, very racist. <laughs> We're just going from racist yes. to more racist.
1: <laughs> I, I love that. What is Mr. Wu doing? He's raking
3: the mud. <laughs>
2: There might be yeah. gold in them there are muds <laughs> I, I didn't
0: notice that he was raking mud. That's strange,
3: yeah, yeah. He had a funny look on his face. I get the feeling that he was raking the mud for a reason. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not sure whether there was still body parts left. Maybe. he was making oh, sure
5: posting. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> He's composting for the pigs, because that's what you usually feed pigs anyways, is just like, you know, leftovers. So Maybe.
3: Yeah. Have, have we heard Mr. Wu speak yet? No. No, because the way he, this guy was speaking to him was just like, oh, God.
2: I think Mr. Wu's smarter than, than everyone thinks. I'm
5: wondering if it's like... I don't know if you guys have ever read East of Eden, but there's a character in that in that he's like a Chinese guy and he pretends to be stupid. Like mm-hmm. he talks to in like a, chi- a really thick Chinese accent, but he's actually super smart. Mm-hmm. <laughs> kind of yeah, I hope he's like that.
2: <laughs> kind of like
0: Josie you- who
5: Peaks. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if he
0: if he speaks or understands English, but he definitely understands what EB is doing. Yeah. Yeah. Did EB like did he put his hands on his Eyes, do that little slanted eye thing. To, I want to say he did that, but I'm not sure.
3: I don't remember I him doing that. I don't that. think
0: he did, but... No. He may, he may do that at some point in the series. Probably
3: wanted to. <laughs> I would I would imagine someone will at some point.
2: And what, what's he hope to accomplish by just ending E at the end of every English word? <laughs> that makes it somehow more, more understandable.
0: D. What's why how uh, stupid Americans had O to the end to make Spanish words?
2: Yeah, the, I guess.
3: Yeah, but Chinese doesn't even have... Well, it's beside the point. I mean, that used to be a thing for some reason. That whole no ticky, no washy thing. Yeah, I don't, I don't even know where that comes from.
0: Well, that's another article for later. <laughs>
3: yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. It's, it just makes, uh, makes my teeth grind. This whole thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, that's probably why Deadwood is considered apart from other westerns is that it does not shy away from how things really were.
3: Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Yeah. That.
2: This is not not Briscoe County Jr.
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, one thing about Briscoe County Jr. that always... Until I kind of understood the show better, at first I was like, why are they letting Bowler in that saloon? Like, he walks through the front door. Like, okay, Briscoe was set later than this, but having been watching Deadwood simultaneously while we watched Briscoe, Mm -hmm. it was very, like, night and day. Yeah. Yeah. Despite being in the same genre. See, Uh, that's
5: what I liked about Briscoe, because there was... There was no really, there was no real racism to be seen, except for maybe like you know the bad puns about Chinese things yeah. <laughs> or
2: whatever. But yeah, I guess sometimes it's nice to to have a, a show that doesn't address that because most of them, ha- most shows set in that time, you know, do a good job of addressing it. Anyways, it's yeah. not like it's a secret that it yeah. was like that. Yeah, but yeah, two very different shows. No, <laughs>
3: yeah, it was. It, I mean, it was a horrendously racist time and place. Yep. So
0: in the gem saloon, Al has woken up. I I don't know what time of day this is, but it can't be more than like late morning, early afternoon. So, and he went to bed around dawn. Mm. So he must have only slept for like three or four hours, I would say. But he's urinating in a commode and we see out through the window men felling a tree and Evie's walking. Then Al picks up Trixie's gun and he kicks her out of bed. He says, is this for me? And She says, I brought it for you.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, very ambiguous. Both yeah. the
2: question and the answer. Mel's making a face. He
3: is disgusting. This whole episode, I just,
5: wa- uh, I just wanted to barf.
2: She was <laughs> legitimately in a bad mood the first half of this episode. I think because of him. <laughs> he was
5: gross. Well, he's a grotesque person. No yes. Grotesque. Well, just I was like, okay. First, when he gets up and pees in the bedroom. I know this is a thing of the times, but. Yeah. It's, it's gross, you know, it's gross. There's no bathrooms, it's disgusting. I,
0: I'll it's interrupt cold. to say that I had a dream last night where it was like a preview <laughs> of our, the next, our next podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and at the end of the preview, Mel says, I regret to inform you that I've made the decision to leave the podcast.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh.
0: And that was like the cliffhanger oh. to the preview of the, <laughs> I don't know, it was a strange dream.
2: Anyway. You'll find out how this uh, resolves itself tonight. <laughs> yes,
5: yes, uh, in a, maybe in like an hour and a half, you're going to find out if that comes true or not. Oh, oh
2: no. <laughs> no, I mean, he's going he's gonna to dream the rest of the story. Time. Oh, oh, I see. <laughs> but, uh, uh,
5: yes, but anyways, yes, peeing in a bowl in your bedroom, I know it's a thing of the times, gross. But I did notice. Uh, wait, 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 oh. gross. He, he gets up, he's like, all unbuttoned in his disgusting union suit, He's you can see everything. And I bet you he hasn't washed in like just
2: throw some clothes three months.
5: on. Ah!
0: I have a note I, from I... Janie Bryant, the costume designer. She says, "In the first episode, he wore a collar band shirt with the suit. After that, I thought, forget the shirt. Let's make it simpler. So we ended up with an open neck long johns, which seemed a little more sleazy. It's a fuck you. I'm not putting on my shirt. I'm just wearing my suit." <laughs>
2: Yeah, I really noticed how gross everyone is in this episode. More than the first episode, for some reason. Everyone just looked more dirty and greasy.
5: Yes, disgusting, disgusting, disgusting. (laughs) And they
1: were. Well, I remember in uh, Boardwalk Empire, uh, a character got a job in a boutique, and her boss told her that she needed to bathe, like, every couple of weeks. (laughs) So I'm sure that back then it was even, you know, more infrequent that people bathed.
3: Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah people did not bathe very often at all. <laughs> Savages. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Except, except the 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 Indians did bathe very... Yes, I know. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah the, the white people were the dirt worshippers. They're covered in it. <laughs> <That's,
3: yeah. laughs> hey, you know, Mel, one good thing is that at least he didn't pick up the commode and dump it out the window after he peed.
2: Oh, no, that's... Uh, he did that <laughs> when the scene cut. Though. Good point, yes,
5: but yeah. <laughs> You know? but yeah, like my first few notes, like I have the I have the word "gross" at least ten times.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Any other thoughts on uh, this uh, little scene? Gross. Oh, gross. <laughs> okay. So, out in the thoroughfare, Seth is shaving and he's overhearing men talking about how he and Wild Bill Hickok shot, shot Ned dead in the street. Saul wants to make some small talk about the hotel's kitchen, but Seth bolts. And Reverend Smith remarks to Johnny that men like Seth Bullock raised the camp up. The proof oh. being that Seth commissioned the Reverend to build a coffin and see of the burial. Mm-hmm. Ned's body is being kept cool in the creek, and the Reverend <laughs> knows that the man's—he uh, knows the man's name because he found a
2: letter on the corpse. Kept cool in the creek to the detriment of everyone downstream. <laughs>
3: <Exactly>. <laughs> yeah,
2: don't drink that water. I was
3: thinking about that too. I have a note here that after one day, Bullock is getting a rep. Mhm-, yeah, he sure is. He's only been there for a few hours and yeah, i thought does.
2: by the I thought by the end of the episode he'd be a sheriff <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> it's like seeming to move that quick.
3: well, he's still got a business, so mm. he's got a business to run though considering what the rep, what the uh i don't know the relationship between he and Swerrigan is off to quite a start.
2: Who was it that said they like to alternate, uh, cause we mentioned Swear Engine, uh, we mentioned yeah, his name has Swear and Gin, yeah. and somebody on the Facebook group, I think, said that they like to pronounce it as Swear Engine. Like,
0: I think it was Robin who said Swear Engine. Yeah. <laughs> cause he's <laughs> a nonstop swear fucking machine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was great. So downstairs, uh, at the gem, Jewel drags herself over to the bar and pours Al some coffee. E.B. briefs Al on the shootout at dawn, and about the girl in Cochran's cabin.
5: I feel like Al's mood is just going to worsen as the series progresses.
2: (laughs) His paranoia? No,
5: just his mood in general, because he's just like, it seems like every episode he just gets grumpier (laughs) and more murderous. Mm -hmm.
1: (laughs) Well, it's like everything was going his way until Hickok and Bullet came to town, and they're just causing problems for him.
3: Yeah, and since I don't think Bullock is going anywhere anytime soon, I think you've got a good point that his uh, mood could stay pretty awful. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: On the other hand, this plot about the girl and the road agents is comes to a close at the end of this episode. This is true. And now I'm left wondering, okay, what's next for Al? And also Jane and the Doc, because this was like their little story arc, and it's over by the end of episode two. Mm.
2: So... I was convinced that little girl wouldn't survive the episode.
3: Yeah, yeah. It seems like there's, I mean, Hitchcock is still in town. So I assume that Jane and Charlie will bring the kid to someplace safe, nuns or something, and then come back. So it'll, plenty more stories, I should think, to be told in this place.
0: You don't think the girl will stick around and become a main character?
3: The little girl? Yeah. No, because there's a b- big target on her back.
0: Well, there was, not anymore. Why because not? They, they Al killed, killed all the road agents. Road agents.
3: True, but it, would he be okay with people knowing that it was road agents and not Indians?
0: Well, if they they either know now or they're or they'll never know because I don't think the girl's gonna learn how to speak English and tell them tell anyone.
5: I was confused as to how they figured out that it was his road agents because it could have been any road agents. You know,
2: maybe there was only his road I agents.
0: Think, I maybe. think I think they all operate
5: yeah. under yeah. Al's direction. I guess I guess it makes sense that they would assume it would be for him since he's the one that controls the whole town.
2: Mm. Right. So well, what's who- he do? He gives he gives people tips on people who might be good to ambush. Yeah, it's mission. Like-
3: who did you mean when you said they figured out that it was his road agents?
5: Well, when they were when people were kind of talking about it and just asking around. I don't know. I I
0: don't know. Johnny and Dan knew.
5: Yeah. I I there's I don't know all the characters yet.
0: <laughs> doc Cochran knew. Yeah, yeah. So let's talk about that at Doc's cabin. Jane's sleeping outside. The doc wakes her and tells her that the girl has a fighting chance, but he doesn't want that information conveyed to Seth. Doc tells Seth that he doesn't feel optimistic about the girl's recovery. He's he's afraid that Seth will begin to say that it's road agents, and that's why he shot Ned, and that's going to stir up trouble. for the it all means trouble for the girl.
3: Yeah, very cautious guy.
0: And he says because even good people justifying their actions can cause harm mm-hmm. in, in an indirect kind of way. Mm-hmm. And Jane is very surprised at this line of pessimism from the doc. Yeah. She says, you have a dark turn of mind. Yeah. I hope that's no one's question.
2: I like how they are bonding over this child a little bit.
1: (laughs) They've watched out for her overnight. They were, they were standing guard. Mm.
0: Yes. She was, she was uh, outside of his cabin. She gets the less she has to do, the drunker she gets, but when she has a mission, she tends to stay sober.
2: Mm. Yeah.
3: She seemed very with it through most of, most of the episode.
2: And the drunker she gets, the more marbles go in her mouth. <laughs> she, gets she's, she's, she talks more like this, she, uh, yeah. the more drunk she gets. I think my
0: favorite moment is when Seth is walking toward them, and Doc says none of that to him, and she says, Oh, he's all right. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> because not everyone thinks that Seth Bullock is a great guy, mm. which we'll learn yeah. a little bit later. Some people don't have great opinions of him, but Jane, Jane's okay with him.
3: Well, Hickok likes him. Yes, that's good enough for her. Charlie, and she gives Charlie a hard time all the time. But then again, Charlie and Hickok and probably some other people have already noticed that uh, Seth and Hickok have a certain amount in common. So if she's crazy about Bill Hickok, which she seems to be, it makes sense that she would like Bullock as well.
2: They didn't spend any time together this episode, did they? Calamity, Jane, and Bill. Uh,
3: I don't think they did. No. no, I don't think they even saw each other. I should say, um, the scene between
5: Jane and the Doctor, I was confused because I find the language is hard to follow.
2: Even with the subtitles.
5: <laughs> even with the subtitles, yeah. I just wasn't really understanding where they were getting at, and I didn't understand... I just didn't understand the language, I guess. And I, yeah, I don't like to admit that I didn't understand it.
0: There's no, (laughs) I'll, I'll admit that even though I've seen the show before during my rewatch last summer, there are, were occasions where I had to stop it and I would look up the transcript because that, that was easier because I could read it at my own pace and I would go through it and try and work out what they were saying because it's not always easy. They take, uh, it goes sometimes the language indirect kind of pathways and they like to talk allegorically and in the third person
7: yeah. and it can
0: be tricky, but I think that's actually what makes the show kind of fun is because yeah. we get to unpack these, these uh, kind of like monologues.
1: Yeah. It's like Shakespeare. Yeah. <laughs> it, I have to pay it. It may, it forces me to pay closer attention to the words, mm. trying to understand it.
5: Yeah. I think the problem was this time that we only watched the episode once mm-hmm. and I think we're going to have to watch
2: it twice from now. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because the more the more attention it demanded from you, the more you seem to glaze over.
5: <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just because once I get lost, yeah, I'm completely lost. That's what I mean. And I can't I can't get, get back into it. You so seem to I, go
2: deeper and deeper into the woods. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
5: pretty much. So I, I And mean,
2: you get frustrated. I
5: get frustrated because I don't understand what's happening. And I had to keep asking Matt, Matt, what did I miss? Matt, mm. like, you know, and you seem to get it more than I did and
2: I was still confused a lot.
5: Yeah, but you seem to be able to understand. They mentioned
2: it. something about stock, uh, Wild Bill's Stock. I, th- I thought they meant he had cattle or something. But
5: I was that confused me because I hadn't, I hadn't seen a single cow. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I was <laughs> like, in, what? The,
0: in the opening, the very first time we meet Jane and Bill, they are in a wagon train. Yes. Where there are cows, and she says something like, "Oh, what a
5: mess." Mm. Oh, really? So yeah. that was, but that was so quick that I. I didn't remember that see so i would have had to go back and see that they heat the they did have cows i don't know why i got stuck on that one little fact but that one little fact confused me i was like where's the cows <laughs> what what are you talking about stock what stock soup stock what,
0: <laughs> I was like, what?
3: maybe you're just hungry maybe it could, <laughs> be, could be horses too could yes, be, yes you know any any kind of animals.
0: But language like this is another reason why I thought that this podcast would be fun because mm. we get to unpack these scenes. Yeah. And for people who are watching the show along with us, they, oh, that's what that meant.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: Cause we can, we get to talk it through. Okay. I do recommend that you keep the transcript by you. And if you run into like a scene where you're totally lost, just pause it and look at the transcript, read it to yourself and see if that helps. Cause it helped me last year.
5: I think I agree because if I read it, at, if I paused it and read it at my own leisure kind of thing, then it, would, <laughs> it probably would help. Because mm. then I'd be able to, yeah, decode it better.
0: <laughs> but you're not alone in not knowing. That's good. Being able to follow.
5: Yeah.
1: Cause I, 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 was, I have did... something. <laughs> like...
0: <laughs> I am, when I think when I watched the show, what was it, 15 years ago or so, I didn't, I couldn't follow everything. Yeah, there are things that I that okay, I kind of get the gist of what they're talking about. Doc is a little afraid for the girl. That's all I needed to know, and I moved moved along. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. And then these HBO shows, just like The Wire, it was episode five before it all clicked for me in season one. I was oh, I get it now. It these shows are not like network, regular broadcast network shows where they want to make sure that everybody, you know, even the lowest common denominator knows what's going on. HBO shows are for more sophisticated people, and I mean, I just I don't think that.
0: I also think people in- people get frustrated when they don't understand things, even if they're not supposed to at a certain point.
1: Yeah, just so yeah, I'm it'll just, it'll come together. It'll all come together yeah. at some at a point.
0: There are yeah. many instances where I watch a program uh, with my parents. <laughs> they will say. Matthew, what does that mean? And it's mm. like, I don't know either, but I think they're going to tell us. So just stay stay tuned.
1: Cable shows don't treat you like a child. They don't spoon feed it to you. They uh, and, and Just like there was a scene early on in this episode that doesn't really make sense, but it does later on. And I'll tell you when we get there.
2: <laughs> my mother, My mother hates that feeling of not knowing what's going on and she can't help herself but burst out loud. This is going to happen. This is going to happen. This is going to happen. And, everybody gets so, so annoyed and with it's, her. <laughs> and it's been so many years, and she's watched so, so many things that, amazingly, 95% of the time, she's right. <laughs> and uh, she just I, she just must know TV writing now She just inherently. likes to brag when she's right, though. That's yeah, why she does but, it. But uh, <laughs> she gets the killer in Twin Peaks in the first half hour. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know yeah. how.
5: <laughs> yeah. Well, she just kept throwing things out there. It's this person. It's this person, and she finally threw it out that it was. Oh yeah, I think it's this. (laughs) But But, but uh, people
0: get so frustrated when they don't understand things immediately, Mm -hmm. even when the writers don't want you to understand things, because they want they'll they'll tell you later, and if they or if they don't tell you, then they didn't want you to know. But they feel like, oh, I must be I must be really stupid because I don't get this
5: no yeah. you're not just just hang on you know what it is though for me right now i think it's because i am doing this podcast and i feel like i have to be knowledgeable when i come on mm. i think because yeah, usually yeah. i'm not like this usually i'm like i'm just gonna wait and see but now like now that i'm doing this i have to i feel like i have to you bring feel like you're things. missing something i have to bring stuff to yeah. the table and i feel like if i don't understand i can't bring
2: well you can bring thoughts. questions to. The yeah
3: table. i guess I can <laughs> bring, yeah when you had said before pause it and I was going to say go back, but having the transcript is, is, yeah, that would
5: probably be better. Yeah. Mm.
3: But, you know, just pause it till you have, you feel like you understand it. But at the same time, one of the things that, you know, I find myself saying sometimes is simply, are we supposed to understand why he's doing this yet? Doing this podcast, we can bring that question. Yeah. I don't understand why he's doing this. Are we supposed to understand it yet? Because then the person can say, no.
0: Yeah. I'll either tell (laughs) you no, or they'll tell you, or that doesn't mean anything. Don't worry about it.
3: Yeah. Or, or actually, they did tell us in this way, and then you know, right? Then we help. But uh, yeah, I, I'm lucky in a way because I've been exposed to so much archaic language over my life. Mm-hmm. Um, I was a big Gilbert and Sullivan fan when I was in my teens. Yeah. So, and then I took a bunch of Shakespeare, and you know, as an actor. And all of that. So, so the language isn't really a problem, but it's it's enjoyable. Let's put it that way.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's a it's a fun kind of exercise to try yeah. and figure out what they're talking about.
3: Yeah, yeah. All right.
0: So, at the hotel kitchen, Seth is reporting to Wild Bill Hickok. There is a moment here where Wild Bill is shaking too much to pick up the coffee pot, but Charlie quickly sees his condition and then he grabs the pot for him.
2: So, so is that not from not being drunk, drunk or is that an injury? I yeah. think
0: that's. I think it's his alcoholism, because at this point, he was an alcoholic.
1: Yeah. Okay, I saw that Mrs. Delay. Garrett did the same yeah. thing, and I didn't right. know if they were both caused by the same thing, you know? Yes,
0: and I love that, that he sees that, she, that she's mm-hmm. in the exact same boat as he is. Mm-hmm. Just yep. with
2: drugs instead of alcohol.
0: Yeah. Yep. I, great, great moment here for Charlie, too, because I think he does this for a number of reasons. He doesn't want others to see Wild Bill Hickok's condition, like Seth. But he doesn't want Wild Bill to feel any kind of sense of shame. Mm-hmm. So he just does it very quickly, very subtly. Oh, here, let me get that for you. Okay, here's some coffee. Demonstrates that Charlie is a real good guy. Mm-hmm. He takes mm-hmm. care of him, even though Wild Bill
5: doesn't really want to be taken care of.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then the scene later on speaks about this yeah. thing. what well, When Charlie's drunk later
3: on. Yeah. But also, it's dangerous for Wild Bill to, for anybody to see a weakness in yeah. him. Yeah. Because um, people are gunning for him, they they would love to be the have the reputation of having gunned down Wild Bill Hickok.
5: Do you think that's why he shot that guy so quickly? Because he knows that he's weak right now. Mm. That's so, a good point. That's I a really heard. interesting interpretation
0: because he does quite literally jump the gun. He, oh yeah,
5: <laughs> yeah, because he, he he must feel like he's not what he used to be so he just when he senses something's wrong he wants to make sure that he takes care of it right away before it's too late do you know what i mean
3: yeah that's a really good point i hadn't even thought of that
5: yeah
0: well they sit down for breakfast a lot of episodes by the way begin at breakfast and in this dining room
2: what were they eating i couldn't tell probably something you don't want to know
5: it looked like bacon (laughs) Really? I saw somebody take out a strip of bacon and gnom oh. on it. I
2: assumed it would be gruel <laughs> or something. <laughs> well, I mean, Matt was talking about the food situation last episode. So.
3: Well, we know there's pigs.
2: Yeah, that's true. Yeah, And
3: they've been fed very well. <laughs> oh, wow. So they'd kind of be cannibals by proxy. That's <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> so headed with it. You got me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we talked a little bit last episode about... Food situation, and I did post in my show notes for last episode uh, some quotations about the food situation, and one person who said that he always ate his food at dark, then you couldn't see what was in it. <laughs> <laughs> Oftentimes, the food that was delivered by freight had like mealworms inside and <laughs> and stuff, but you had to, but you ate it anyway because it was all you had. You just ate it during the night. Uh, so anyway. Wild Bill does not want Charlie to steer him toward prospecting, nor allow Charlie to set up an income at some gambling joint, but Charlie reminded him, reminds him that he lost a lot of money in Cheyenne. So, Wild Bill does not like being handled, but he deep down he knows Charlie is right. Yeah. Yeah. Merrick asks, asks Seth and Saul to join them at their table. Seth does not want to discuss the shooting. That's when Merrick tells them that Brom Garrett bought Tim Driscoll's claim. Tim lives in the hotel, but he must be sleeping in. Forever. <laughs> <laughs> this she is the cool. moment when Alma comes downstairs. She asks Eb to fetch the doctor. As she enters the dining room, all the men stand. That's when, while <laughs> Bill notices, her hand is shaking, which again is a really cool moment.
1: Hilarious. Yeah, and she, they treat her differently than any other woman in the camp. She's uh huh.
0: She's unlike any other woman in the camp.
2: Yes,
5: that's true. Yep.
2: Such an uh, odd custom.
5: <laughs> yeah. To stand, you mean?
2: Yeah, stand. we got a lot
5: of f-
0: feedback last week talking about how some of these characters were not really good guys. The you know they're either they're either meh guys like in the gray or they're bad guys. But I think uh, Wild Bill, Charlie, Seth, uh, Saul, Merrick, they all seem to be gentlemen. They stood up when the lady entered the room. Yeah. yeah. But so I think, I d-
2: think even if the, like, the more shady people were there, they would have stood up to and yeah. did the same yeah. thing. I was going to
0: say that's, but I think yeah. this is just another evidence, more mm-hmm. evidence of their good character. We've seen other things that they've demonstrated where they are good people.
3: Yeah. 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 The customs of the time would have, it would be interesting to see how, I mean, Swerajan would probably, depending on what he was trying to say, he would either do it or not do it depending on his his uh ulterior motives.
2: Yeah. I feel like just, he would
0: stand up and offer some kind of smart remark.
2: Yeah. It's just funny when you know they all stand up. They're all they're all within eye shot of each other and they all uh stand up and pretend to be civilized. But you know like when these characters are like alone one on one they're they're not this gallant, <laughs> you know. No. Like, yeah, just all these people they're just shitty people. <laughs> not 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 our character, not our main characters here, but Just the people in general, it seems.
3: Well, that's the way, I mean, there was a whole, you know, it's broken down a lot, but still you get the idea of mixed company and all of that where, you know, what guys will say amongst themselves or do amongst themselves as opposed to when there are women that they have some interest in Mm -hmm. around or, or have to work with or something else. There are different rules still. So at
0: the Crick, or Creek, I don't know if it's a Crick or a Creek, but Brom and Dan are prospecting. Ellsworth visits. His claim is the next one over. He's already made his daily quota. Ellsworth tells Bram not to get discouraged if he doesn't find any nuggets, because at the very least, there'll be some gold flakes. But Brom confides to Dan that there aren't even any flakes. Hmm.
1: What's going on?
2: Is El- Ellsworth's not in on that whole scam, is he? No.
1: It doesn't no. seem like it, Now, Wait, who's Ellsworth?
2: Ellsworth is Jim Beaver.
1: Okay, who is... Dang it.
5: Okay, the hey, all in... these people look very similar to me, so I am confused because there's a lot of dirty, bearded...
2: Chubby guys. Gross
5: people, yes. <laughs> and just, uh, Middle-aged. You said chubby when
2: I say gross. That's not what I... <laughs> <laughs> I just mean like slightly overweight, like middle Yeah, yeah that's, but
5: that's, that's not the gross part. Dirt all over They're, they're just dirty. EB yeah. e. Farnham.
2: Yes.
1: Is yeah, Ellsworth still- at EB in in it together.
0: E- E.B. Uh, runs the hotel. He's the owner and proprietor of the Grand Central Hotel. He's played by William Sanderson. Okay. A lot of, a lot of people know him from Newhart.
1: Right. Okay. Ellsworth
0: he- is played by Jim Beaver. A lot of people know him from Supernatural. Mm-hmm. He's, the, he's just a prospector. He uh, has this gold claim, but he pretty much just goes to get enough nuggets to take it to the gem so that he could get a liquor up. And that's that's his whole Thrust in life.
5: Okay. Just to be right. up, hey Matt, really. do you have a diagram of like like a, with like a picture of the characters and who they are? <laughs> kind of, I, like, could, uh, characters? I could work something up for you, certainly. Yeah. <laughs> no, I was just curious. If you don't have one, that's fine. I'll figure it out eventually, but there are a lot of characters. <laughs> I'm I could either put something
0: together or give you like a link to a website that has that
3: information. Sure, That would be fine. But if I
0: did it myself, I could make sure that there's no spoilery information.
3: Mm-hmm. My take on Ellsworth was that, I mean, I don't think he's in on anything, but he seems pretty savvy in a disinterested kind of way. Like, he might have an idea that this guy was swindled or was being swindled, just not in on it.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think he's aware. Yeah. Remember in the pilot when he says to Trixie, it's not my business to get in other people's business, but if you want to talk about the gun that you have, (laughs) Mm -hmm. you want to get off whatever's on your chest, I'll I'll listen? She's like, no thank you. He's like, suit yourself.
3: Yep, and also when he was talking to Engine, he basically, you know, said that he knows the guy's a total liar and everything else, and he really doesn't care.
0: Yeah, just you do what you do, and I'll do what I do, and... All right. At the gem, Johnny tells Al that Persimmon Phil, Tom Mason, and Ned Mason killed the Metz family. Al tells Johnny to get the doc. This is when Seth and Saul bring in twenty dollars to twenty dollars rent to Al. Al makes sport about the shooting. Seth isn't having any of it. The Hardware Boys want to make an offer on the lot, but Al wants to know if they have any silent partners like Wild Bill Hick- Hickok. Seth doesn't think that's any of Al's business, and he gets really pissy. Okay,
1: that's it, why I didn't follow that.
3: Why did Seth get mad at Al?
2: It felt like he could just tell he was a bad person.
4: Mm.
3: Yeah, I think that was a big part of it. And also when he was, uh, I get the feeling that Seth doesn't, he's got kind of a hair trigger on his, um, whether he is an honest fellow or not. Yeah. And Swergin was pretty much indicating he thought they were up to something.
5: Okay. Oh, so you think that uh, him accusing him of not being honest with him kind of riled Seth up?
3: Yeah, and I because he likes
5: to consider himself an honest man.
3: Yeah, which yeah. he was just really offended. Yeah, yeah, along with the fact that I agree that he thought Swearingen is a bad guy.
5: Yeah. Well, I felt I feel like Seth Bullock keeps like keeps getting these like uh sixth sense kind of things about people. And he just keeps figuring out that they might have something to do with whatever's going on.
0: Oh, you mean he has a genie?
5: Yes, he's got a (laughs) genie! Because, well, it just seems like he's like a really good detective, and he just deduces that You know, like, right away, like, just from the things that people say, oh, you're the one that's guilty, you're the one that has something to do with this. I don't know if that's true, but that's just a feeling I get, because he keeps getting angry at all the right people, (laughs) you know?
0: I think he he knows that Al's a bad guy, Seth has a short temper, and Al that whole, you know, I'm turning around now, don't
3: shoot me, and Seth is just
0: like, oh, you fucker. Yeah. yeah. That's I think not they, cool, man. Yeah,
2: yeah
3: they got yeah. on a bad foot right because
2: uh Because people in the camp aren't clear on whether uh Seth shot that guy in self defense or not, right? It right. seems.
0: Because Seth is getting that reputation and Seth is probably annoyed that he can't control what people are talking or uh, saying about him. Yeah. yeah. And he doesn't think that it's any of Al's business what he's gonna do with the property, but it's Al's property. If Al wants Al wants to know, I mean you should tell him. It's Al's Al can either sell you it or not sell you it. Yeah. So
3: And the other thing about this whole reputation he's getting and people talking about him and making jokes and everything, I mean the guy in the pilot, which only took place what, a few days before
0: No it was the day before.
3: Right. But well it started in the flashback a few days. Or no, actually a couple months now yep. that about it. a couple of months. And then it was yesterday, a few months ago. It seemed like he was working on a fresh start, something, you know, like leaving behind mm. the gunplay and the being a sheriff or a marshal or whatever he was. And here he's been in town for, you know, less than 24 hours and he's already getting the same reputation of somebody that's tough with a gun and that's all interesting. that. Yeah. Uh,
0: loose with a gun is mm-hmm. yeah. what is, is the insult that Seth takes. He tells yeah. when he and Saul go outside. Mm-hmm. He's like, who's he to call me loose with a gun?
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I almost feel like you know this is somebody who he wanted to start over and he's already getting pegged in the same thing that he may have been in the past, which is going to make a person more sensitive.
0: Right, yeah. he's being put in that sort of law enforcement role that he did not want to be in, but it's, people of a certain type gravitate towards certain roles.
5: Yes. I and mean, if that's something that he already knew how to do, you know, then, uh-huh. yeah. It's and help. he's
3: not somebody to turn, turn and look away. I mean, he could have ignored the guy the night before and let the little girl die out there.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: And some of the people in that town would have done that. But yeah. that's not his character, obviously. If
0: if Seth has been in town for a day and he already has a reputation, he probably already knows Al's reputation too. That he's the guy that runs everything and probably doesn't uh, probably dealt with those kinds of types before. Mm, yeah, but before we go outside with Seth and Saul, this is when Persimmon, Phil, and Tom Mason enter the gym. Uh, they go upstairs to Al's office. Tom wants Trixie, but Al says pick another.
5: Ooh. So what does he only hand her out to specific people? Or? But then
2: he's he's willing to let her go with Seth near the end of the episode. Well, he and, and he, he was Seth. willing
5: and he was willing to let her go with that guy that kept beating her
3: up
2: hmm. all
5: the time. So I don't know what his deal is.
3: Maybe he was afraid she'd shoot him.
2: I don't know. And,
3: and he didn't want him dead yet.
2: Probably depends on his mood. Maybe
3: he just didn't
5: want that guy's sloppy seconds.
2: <laughs> 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 I guess.
5: <laughs> <laughs>
0: Uh, there's a brief scene outside we were talked about where Seth and Saul talk about uh, their interaction with Al. This is when the Reverend invites them to Ned's burial service. Oh, goody, just what they want to do in the <laughs> afternoon is go to, a, go to a funeral for this guy. Charlie is telling Wild Bill Hitchcock that the celebrity atmosphere he creates, this glad handing, deserves some sort of compensation. But Wild Bill reiterates that he does not want to be handled. Mm. I believe they're in the hotel at this point, because in the room down the hall... Doc has brought medicine for Alma, tells her to make it last for the week because he has actual patients in need of attention. Alma plays dumb like I don't know what you're talking about, and he's like, please. Bitch please. We know what's <laughs> going on here. <laughs> let's not
5: all let's not kid ourselves. I really, really, really like the doctor in this episode. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I just like how he deals with his patients. He's
2: got a good uh bedside manner. I'm still trying, yeah. I'm still trying to keep track of how much good he's actually doing and how much healing he's actually doing. I don't think he did any
5: <laughs> in this episode. Oh, he gave the horse some good, uh, crotch cream. Some
2: good <laughs> ointments, yeah. <laughs> so, we'll see how many lives he saves. Maybe mm-hmm. I should put it that way.
5: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know though. I, I just, well, you know, like sometimes just a good, like kind of a, Sometimes all people need is kind of a mothering figure. You know what I mean? Like somebody that will take care of you and somebody that will soothe your worries and all. And that's
3: he's good at that.
2: So could I just like give chicken soup to people who are feeling bad and you call me a doctor?
3: Yeah. (laughs) Back then, probably. (laughs) I was going to say back then, medicine was not what it is today. And.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what I'm I mean. not- That's why I'm trying to keep track of his effectiveness. But
3: he is trying, though. Like, he's
5: coming yeah. up
2: with concoctions, and he
3: does
5: have access to all these, uh, quote-unquote, medicines.
2: Yeah.
5: I like that he, like, tells her how it is. Like, I know what you're doing.
0: Mm-hmm.
5: I and mean, stop bothering me for these worthless things.
0: How effective are the maesters on Game of Thrones? <laughs> yeah, They're really- always just like, oh, here, here's some milk of the poppy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now just shut the fuck up and die. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
5: Same that's thing. True. Yeah. That's true. That's true.
0: When Dr. Moira Brown uh, is on our podcast, she can weigh in with her thoughts on whether or not she thinks Doc Cochran is effective or just the equivalent of chicken soup.
2: Yeah, yes. <laughs> that one—that one maester can make zombies, though.
5: So. Yes, that's-,
0: that's. I think that's where they're going with that, which is a little strange. But that's <laughs> discussion for another podcast. Yeah, yes. Yeah. In Al's office, he and Phil can hear Tom running about in the adjacent uh-huh. room. Oh, gross.
5: <laughs> <laughs> that was disgusting.
0: <laughs> At first, Phil denies having anything to do with the Mets massacre, but then he admits to killing the family, but denies trying to withhold Al's cut. Phil gives Al back money, says he understands Al's perspective, that Al doesn't like having these loose ends, shit to hold, like the square head child that lived, and that, and that Ned Mason fled the scene and came back to camp. Al Phil offers his share. Al doesn't want the share. He wants things nice and simple. That's when Tom barges in naked, declaring yeah. that he has branded the snatch.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: Oh. It just that just picture like makes me picture like it's gross, but it makes me picture like it, his his junk is like red hot, and he's just like laying it
0: against. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Did you guys
5: recognize the actor playing Tom?
1: No, no, not until I IMDb'd I would him. I
5: I couldn't recognize under all the layers of filth. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, Does anybody
0: watch Parks and Recreation? Yeah,
5: because
1: I had wondered no. like oh. where did where did Nick Offerman come from? Like, surely he's been in something before now. You know, he's just blown up here recently with Parks and Rec and everything. But no, I had no idea.
2: Yeah,
0: that's Nick Offerman who plays Ron Swanson on Parks and Rec.
2: Yeah, I was like, I saw his name in the credits. I was like, wait, isn't he a comedian? I don't remember seeing. Well, this is pretty funny. Yeah, <laughs> yeah this
0: is yeah. this is your levity for the episode. <laughs> I hope you enjoy
5: if that. If <laughs> you enjoy <laughs> seeing a, a dirty man waving a his A dirty naked <laughs> man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: And yeah, then right. uh mm. they say, "Tom, put your iron away." I think, and he goes, "Not yet." <laughs> <laughs>
5: <laughs> he, I, I felt so bad for that.
0: Oh, then you get to see the uh, <laughs> the other side of Tom.
5: Yes, I yes. felt really bad for that whore because she looked like she was disgusted by him, and she was like, "No, he's well, coming back. No, he's coming back. <laughs> he's coming back, you." <laughs> oh,
0: but we learn in the scene uh, that Phil did not tell Al about the Squarehead family. Now that Al knows, he's like, he tries to give him some money to basically placate him, but Al, it's not about the money for Al about these bags of shit he has to hold.
2: Mm-hmm. And then he smacks them, doesn't he? Yeah, he does. We get the same zoom in thing. Yeah. Which I thought didn't work as well this time because the angle was from behind and they zoomed in. I think it would have been better if they started in close and when he smacked them, they zoomed out.
0: I'm not sure if I like any of the fast zooms. I think they're kind of weird.
2: I liked it in the first episode, but in this one it didn't didn't work for me. But. I didn't like it. Mm. Yeah. And I wonder if it's just a power that he has or if that's going to be for everybody's punch. (laughs) Anytime anyone punches anyone.
3: (laughs) You know what we didn't mention was um, the way they referred to the child as it.
2: Hmm. I I figured that was because he didn't specify the sex of the person who lived.
3: Yeah, I thought so too. He was very specifically calling it it.
2: I know, but uh, Al said somebody lived and the other guy was... I thought out of necessity, forced to say it, or he could have said him, he or she. Or yeah, he didn't or want he didn't or, want
5: L to know. But maybe
2: yeah, maybe they're being demeaning. I think he <laughs> did. We want- have no gender non-specific pronoun. Yes, I, I just,
0: I maybe just
5: didn't want Al to know who
0: lived. Carol, are you thinking that Al is not giving it a gender because it to make it easier to kill it? Now you're doing it.
3: Yeah. Like, now I mean, I'm doing it.
0: See how easy it is.
3: <laughs> or he, he's already dehumanized her to the point of she's just a problem as opposed to a uh, a person. Al knows who survived. The guy doesn't.
2: Yeah, and I thought it was that guy who was saying it. They both did. Oh, okay.
3: In an exchange, back and forth. Al never specified to the guy who survived, and I can't really come up with a reason why he wouldn't, why it would be a problem for the guy to know.
2: Yeah, I guess.
0: We have two quick scenes. At Doc's cabin, Jane is dressing the child's wounds as Johnny knocks. Johnny has come to fetch the doctor. Then there's a graveyard outside of the camp where the Reverend is conducting a funeral service for poor dead Ned. Seth and Saul are in attendance.
1: And looking oh. like they would right. rather be anywhere else. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Yes, awkward.
3: Well, yeah, if Bullock was not into the service. No. bit of an okay,
1: understanding.
0: Boots to sell. <laughs> Who's watching the tent? Oh God! (laughs) Yeah.
4: (laughs) Last
0: (laughs) last episode, we established that when Seth and Saul leave, the
2: Reverend's watching. But how can all three of them be at the graveyard? (laughs) Yeah. Did you? Uh oh! Uh -oh. Again, again, I say, did you lock the tent? (laughs) Did you?
0: (laughs) Oh boy. So Tom Mason has been given the bad news about his brother. Al and Phil are suggesting to a sobbing Tom that he might take retribution on Wild Bill Hickok.
1: I love that the first time we see Tom, he's, like, exuberant. And then we see Tom, and he's so distraught because he just found out his brother died.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I feel a little little bad for Tom. No, I don't. You know what? Because he murdered that family.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, screw him. And his brother.
0: (laughs) I'm not going to screw his brother. He's dead in a crick.
2: Oh. (laughs) Gross.
0: (laughs) So Doc is seeing to the horrors. They're putting lotions on their privates.
2: Oh my. It it puts the lotion on its skin.
0: (laughs) 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 Doc has been adding lanolin to this unguent. Lanolin is a yellow, waxy substance secreted by the sebaceous glands of wool bearing
5: animals. Oh. You learned a
0: lot on Hooplecast. What does this do?
5: It moisturizes, I guess. Is that what they're suffering Are they suffering from dry crotch?
2: (laughs) Dusty crotch. Oh, <laughs> There's something going on down, downstairs.
0: I don't know.
5: <laughs> some there sort of beastly be,
3: There thing. could be everything in the world going on to those poor women. Remember on Carnival when yes. she shook
0: some soda, yes. uh, some knee or whatever it was, and squirted it up there? Yeah. She <sighs> with a soda. <laughs> Carol, you haven't seen Carnival yet, but that happens.
5: Yes. Yeah. I- does happen? I Apparently, it's a thing. Shakes
2: it up, <laughs> points it in there.
0: <laughs> and if you listen to Carnicast, we can hear Moira talk about the douches
5: that they, <laughs>
0: that they use.
5: I forget what those are, but I guess I'll, I'll have to just go back and re-listen. Mm-hmm.
0: Al comes into the room and inquires about the square head child. Doc reiterates that he's not optimistic. Then he gets very pissy towards Al for telling him how to do his job.
2: I'm glad someone stood up to Al.
5: Yeah, I hated Al, specifically in this scene, because just because of what he said about the doctor being on his moons. Oh, just that level of sarcasm. I was like, he's doing you you know, he's helping you out here and you're just being a douchebag to him. Like Mm -hmm. I know he's not doing exactly what he wants him to do, Mm -hmm. but still
0: It's better than another tact he could have taken was become very violent or aggressive towards the doc.
5: True. But I think he knows better than to do that. But still, he's just so condescending.
2: No. Ugh,
3: I
5: don't like it.
2: That's the intention of the character, I think.
3: Yeah.
2: <laughs> he's terrible in
1: this
0: episode.
3: Yeah. yeah. I don't expect that him being terrible to change at all.
1: Well, and the only reason he came in there was to make sure that Doc was there. Right. So he could go. Right. Know, he had ulterior motives. So. Yeah. And Doc
3: knows exactly what he's doing, so. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So, from her hotel room, Alma spots Al leaving the gym. Then Al barges into the doc's cabin. Jane tries to stop him, but a frightening stare and a few harsh words sends her into hysterics.
1: Oh, this is such a great scene.
0: Yeah, Al presses on the girl's wrist until she opens her eyes. Uh, Then in the thoroughfare, Al tells Doc that the girl is better than he thought. Doc finds Jane a sobbing mess. Jane confides that she's been fucked plenty by tougher fucks than Al. Doc compliments her on her bedside manner, which at first she interprets as mocking, but he's sincere.
3: She also says that it's been going on since before she was, when she was
2: younger than the girl in the bed. Right. So what happened to her here? How, why'd she break down? I didn't get it. She seemed so tough. I felt, I
5: felt like I expected her to be tougher than that, but I feel like she might have been abused or raped or something. But I didn't, something must I didn't, have happened.
2: he didn't, I, he barely even like implied violence or Sexual violence or anything he just looked at her maybe oh mm, he
5: i felt i felt like it was
2: implied uh,
3: just because of who he
5: is he
2: didn't he, he didn't make any because, threats no, until she threatened him did she did he
3: i I think she recognized him as the kind of person he is mm. and from what when shes i took her quite literally when she indicated that that she'd been raped as a child repeatedly and
2: yeah, but I didn't see him threatening sexual violence here. I didn't know why she broke down.
3: I was really surprised, but as I say, I I felt like she recognized him for what kind of person he is and for who he is as the same kind of guy that she probably had dealt with.
5: Yeah, she's seen
3: yeah. people in, and, li- in her life before.
1: And like uh, Matt said, host Matt said, that she... Stays drunk a lot of times, probably not to to try to not deal with things like this and and uh, dealing with the little girl like all these emotions are coming up and Mm -hmm. instead of uh, that bravado, that tough exterior that she's always showing. Yeah, it does.
5: It does explain the way that she is. Yeah, just always, always being tough and always, you know, not not taking any people's bullcrap and just really acting manly. It's just a way to protect herself.
4: Yeah.
0: Like, Carol, I also took this literally when she says that she's been fucked
4: Mm -hmm. plenty of
0: times, and I feel like she sees herself in that girl, and Mm -hmm. she sees what kind of person Al is just by looking at him, Mm -hmm. and she imagines all these horrible things that not just happened to her but could happen to the girl. Yeah. It completely, she just is undone by this. Mm Mm-hmm. And I think we talked in a little bit about, in the last episode, how butch she was, Mm -hmm. and are we going to see another dimension to Jane? And I was thinking at the time, we're going to see that in deep water. Yeah. In this scene. Yeah. I feel like this is the scene of the series that really defines who she is, Mm -hmm. how she swings between bravado and just the empathy that she can show to other people. Mm -hmm. It's probably why she's a, a favorite character of a lot of Deadwood viewers.
3: If there hadn't been the comment by Hickok in the pilot where he had said to her, when she said she was going to go ask around about something, I don't remember what it was, and he said something to the effect of, I know how you ask around and we don't need dead bodies or something. I don't remember what he said, but the indication was that she could be dangerous. I think there really would have been a question in my mind about whether it was all bluster on her part but in that she has a reputation with Wild Bill to actually be somebody who follows through, then I had to think that this was kind of a post-traumatic sort of thing where trauma from her childhood was just hitting her like a ton of bricks and that she was just recognizing <clears throat> Swearengin as the kind of man that had abused her.
5: So are you saying that she has lied about killing people just to make herself seem no. tough? no oh. okay
3: no i was I was saying that Wild Bill's indication made me think that she's not all bluster. Mm-hmm. It would be hard to fool a guy like Wild Bill.
0: It's just amazing that one look from Al and right. all of her childhood trauma resurfaces
5: right. She probably feels like a failure a, a little bit too because she saw herself as that little girl's protector,
0: oh yeah, yeah, I yeah. think later on she says that yeah uh-huh. she she messed up, yeah. And also, it's, she goes back to drinking right away after this. Yeah. Yeah. Next time we see her, she's a drunk or.
3: Right. Yeah. And she does say that she, she, that this was an aberration. I mean, she doesn't use the word aberration, but kind of thing doesn't happen to her. So, taking her at her word, that would mean that this was a pretty strong reaction she had between the little girl and Swearingen. And I hadn't really put together the, the fact that taking care of the little girl would bring all this up, too, until one of you mentioned it. I don't remember who just mentioned it.
0: Okay, well, it's nighttime now. Brom returns to the hotel. He feigns a back injury and suggests that he may not be cut out for this line of work, and maybe he'll just sell his claim to E.B. But E.B. says that he was drunk the previous night and to ignore any offers made under such conditions. And it's in this moment that Brom realizes that E.B. never had an interest in the claim, that he was just driving the price up. And he's come to understand that he's been played, but does he know to what extent?
2: Mm. Mm. Well, I'm glad he realized pretty quickly that he's been played in some manner, and that it didn't drag on for too long. Mm. Stupidity.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so everybody knew that this plot of land, this uh, what's the word? Claim. Claim. Everybody. Does, so everybody knows that this claim is worthless.
0: I think that Dan knows. Al knows. E.B. knew. Ta- Tim Driscoll knew. May he rest in pieces. And Ellsworth Suspect made a suspicion. In fact, when he said, "You know, it might show you some flake," maybe that was, maybe that was Ellsworth subtly planting that idea in Brom's head,
4: mm-hmm.
0: giving him like a little tip. Maybe I don't know. Okay. But I think now Brom is kind of really figuring out, having been out there, that this may have been a bad buy. Mm-hmm. So at the gem, Dan is getting weepy over the idea of killing the girl. Phil informs Al that Tom Mason is very drunk and may not have the presence of mind to kill Wild Bill. Al asks Dan if they're okay this whole killing the girl thing, and Dan nods, yeah, they're okay. That's when he heads to the cabin.
1: Wait, why does Al want Hickok bed? I think also at this point Al
0: suspects that Wild Bill might be... A silent partner with Seth and Saul, and that when they purchase that lot, they're not going to open a hardware store, but they're going to open a saloon, and then Wild Bill is going to be, like, the celebrity guest that draws all of Al's action across the way. Okay. Mm. So he might want to kill Wild Bill just because he's an unknown, let's say,
1: mm-hmm. at this point. An unknown, okay.
0: At the cabin, Doc implores the girl not to speak, or speak squarehead gibberish if she has to speak. Then he cocks his shotgun and waits. Downstairs at the gym, Saul wants to negotiate with Al. Seth excuses himself from the table. And this is why Al is concerned that if he sells the lot to Seth, that that's prime real estate and he could open a saloon or gambling hall with Well Bill as the silent partner.
2: I like this whole conver- uh, confrontation between them. It's great drama. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, Al has a proposal. He'll lease the property for $500 until the first snow, taking 50% of the profits. And everyone can use the time as a little getting to know each other. And they can agree on what things mean. Hmm. But Seth refuses to partner with Al. He says, why don't you just sell it to us for a 1000 And if anything shady happens, you can have the title back and keep the money. But Al bristles at this proposal and his attitude. And when Saul tries to act as the peacemaker, this is when Al throws some anti-Semitism his way. Trixie tries to smooth things over with a bath and a blowjob, <laughs> but the Hardware Boys leave dejected. Mm. This is where we almost come to blows,
3: I think.
2: Yeah. Oh, yeah. I want to know how, how good of a fighter Al is.
0: I'm actually going to take Al's side in this because this is his business, mm. and it is his lot, so really Seth ought to be a little less of an asshole.
2: Yeah, <laughs> I guess it's fair. <laughs>
1: but he's still pierced from the... uh conversation they had earlier that
2: morning. Yeah. Well, sure,
0: but it's still his his saloon. Like, And mm-hmm. Al even says, you know, what makes you think he can come in here and talk to me like that in my own place?
3: Mm-hmm. How much do you think Al was baiting him to see who he was and to see if he could get him to, to lose his temper?
2: I don't know. I don't know that, thing- that might be dangerous.
3: <laughs> yeah, but there was a part of me that wondered if Al was pushing it just to see how far, you know, whether this guy would lose his temper and the thing is that he's in his own place, and if if Seth had lost his temper, he might not have he might not have survived. Mm-hmm. Probably
0: because Dan's there, Johnny's there.
3: Yeah, yeah. Because Al is saying
1: things that he's putting on a show. You could tell he's saying things that are not in his character to say.
3: You know, so part of me was wondering whether this was his plan to get rid of Seth. He had already put together a plan to get rid of Hickok.
1: Mm-hmm. And then Saul is just inconsequential. He doesn't really matter.
3: No, he doesn't matter.
0: John Hawks informed David Milch that he himself is not Jewish. But then David Milch said, have you ever felt shame or sadness or been ostracized? And John Hawks said, every day. <laughs> and David said, then you're Jewish. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Why does he
0: feel that every day? Because he's short? Probably. Is he that short? I don't I know. know if he's is that he that short? That's the only thing I can think of.
1: Maybe because he's an actor.
0: I was going to say because he's an actor.
1: Because he's a artist. I don't know. Mm. Mm.
5: Interesting.
0: John Hawks says in the stories of the Black Hills, rather than having an accent, we decided that he'd be an assimilator. I didn't want the character to be about the Yiddish accent, and David was very much in line with him trying to make him someone who blends in more than sticks out. The fact that Saul is a Jew is at the heart of his character. The way that David described it to me, Saul is a guy who in any situation that he goes in, he's present in that situation, but he's also above it, looking down and watching. When he goes into a new place, the first thing he does is find out where the exits are. What's the out? He's finding potential dangers and finding out ahead of time how to deal with things.
2: I know you can't tell us, but I wonder if Saul is a practicing Jew or if he's just, you know...
0: Jewish by heritage?
2: Culturally Jewish, yeah. I wonder if we'll see him lighting a menorah or such, you know, <laughs> that kind of thing.
0: Well, there's a a beat in the pilot where... The reverend says, and on Sabbaths, I preached Christ's crucifixion, or that He's that Christ rose from the dead. And then there's like this moment where they kind of look at Saul, because oh. he's Jewish, and he's like, you okay with this, buddy? <laughs> Get something to see. <laughs> David Milch says, I think Star completes Bullock in a curious way, and Bullock completes Star. And that symbiosis, we see another kind of marriage, which is that of the Jew in America. The Jew is adopted in America in a way he hasn't been adopted anywhere else. And for being adopted, he comes to believe himself whole.
2: Mm. Mm. Oh, I like that. I wanna see I wanna see Seth and Saul say to each other, You complete me. <laughs> <laughs> oh.
0: Oh. you wanna see them hold hands and walk down the street talk yes. about my best friend. Right? <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Any uh f- further comments on this scene with uh Al and Seth and
2: Saul? Nope. It was good. I liked it, it put me on edge in a good way.
3: Yeah. It made me feel like okay, these two are never going to be okay with each other.
0: At the hotel, Brom confides to Alma that he fears the claim is worthless and that Al was a knowing conspirator. He wonders if he might pay Wild well Bill Hickok, who seemed friendly enough, to intervene on his behalf. Alma nods and smiles politely, because she's super high. <laughs> <Again>. <laughs> uh,
2: she's you, okay did,
1: with anything.
2: Yeah. Did you establish last time if uh, he was an actual person? Brom Garrett? Yeah.
0: He's not. Neither is Alma.
2: Yeah. Okay. Yeah,
0: they're, they're too fictional
2: people. But I'm sure there's many people like them who got swindled.
0: (laughs) Oh, yeah. All the time. Mm -hmm. If your claim turned out to be worthless, you tried to pretty it up and sell it to somebody else. In fact, I read about one person even tied, like, oranges, which are not native to the area, into trees, and then told them that on this claim, fruit-producing trees. (laughs) Isn't that amazing? (laughs) Come buy it. Nice. (laughs) There's all sorts of little scams like that to sell their claims. Wow. Jamie Bryant, the costume designer, Janie, rather. Alma was addicted to laudanum in the first season, so I wanted her palette to have the sense of being indulgent. Almost an opium den feel. The robe that I designed for her was a crazy green silk velvet. Very loungy and drapey.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I definitely get the feeling that this woman, one of the reasons she's on laudanum is because she just does not want to be the person constantly saying to her husband, you know that they're scamming you, right? You know you're being a fool, right?
0: Easier to shut it all off,
3: and yeah.
0: let what happens, happens. I think
3: it'll be an interesting twist, though, if
5: Wild Bill kind of gets in on it. So we'll see what happens there. Mm. He, like, helps him out, like he says he's going to ask him to help him out. Oh. Yeah. yeah. Good point,
3: Good point.
0: Saul asks Seth that if he can see that the camp might become something great, why bother getting sidetracked by a guy like Al Swearingen? Because Saul is not hung up on Al's anti-Semitic remarks. Saul is a big-picture kind of guy. This is when they find Charlie urinating on the side of a building.
4: Mm. Mm
0: -hmm. I thought he was urinating in their tent at first. Yes. Oh wow.
4: (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. I do.
0: If you listen to Intro to X, you will know that I have a real problem with people urinating in public, but worse (laughs) than that, having conversations while urinating. (laughs) Don't talk to me while I'm in the bathroom. And don't have conversations with other people while I'm in the bathroom. I promise. The bathroom I- is for bathroom business. I That's not for having conversations. I promise
5: oh. I will never talk to you while you're peeing, Matt. Thank you. <laughs> that-, that should be easy for me.
2: <laughs> I can't remember, but there was, so- there was some comedian who-, who was talking about that, and he said he'd always make it more awkward on purpose if he'd be, like, standing beside somebody urinating and there happened to be a divider. He, would like make contact with the guy, and he'd, like, shake the divider and be like, don't you hate these? <laughs> oh, <laughs>
0: gross. No, don't do it.
5: <laughs> uh, okay, so... I feel bad for you guys. <laughs> no privacy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Charlie the, and...
5: He talks about
1: how he, he takes care of Hickok. He, he handles him. He's his companion, and he looks out for him. Uh-huh. But he says that... uh Bullock
3: doesn't need it anyway. Like, he's got it together.
0: Yeah, and we know that's not true.
3: No. He asked him what his secret is, and I, immediately, as soon as he said that, I'm like, oh, I know what the secret is. secret is that he listens to Saul. Yep. <laughs> TikTok doesn't listen to Charlie. <laughs> huh.
0: But Charlie is, like, is the equivalent of Saul. Yeah. Yeah, the parallels here are so striking. Right, wow.
2: Jiminy crickets on their shoulders. <laughs> oh my
3: god! <laughs> and Hickok is constantly telling Charlie, "I won't do this," and I constantly fighting Charlie and not doing what Charlie tells him to. Mm-hmm. And Seth is always coming around to where Saul is, and he he might resist for a little while, but in the end, he always does what Saul suggests, and he always well, Seth- comes around.
2: Well, Seth also doesn't drink, does he?
3: Right. Not- not Hickok the- has. Substance problems.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Also, we don't know how long Charlie and Wild Bill have known each other, and maybe they had more of a Seth Saul relationship until certain events happened, mm-hmm. and then they drifted apart. Maybe.
5: Do you think they're kind of the writers are kind of trying to say that uh, Seth and Saul could fall in that path that Charlie and uh, Wild Bill are into right now?
0: Right. Mm-hmm. Mean. Mm-hmm. I think they're trying to make Seth come to the realization that if he doesn't think more big picture, yeah, he could end up like wild bill. Yeah. But what's funny is that Charlie thinks that Seth is like, he's totally restrained and he's very cordial and he wants to know what's your secret, but the secret is Saul and Seth is not like what Charlie.
2: Yeah. Charlie didn't see that altercation in the, in the- he hasn't. Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
3: Well, I mean, I'm not so sure that he's, Really seeing him that way, I think he's seeing that he functions, and he doesn't really understand why, and he doesn't—he's not putting it together that Seth is still listening to Saul, and that that's what's keeping him on an even keel.
0: Yeah, Charlie's not privileged to the every scene that we see,
3: right? But
0: right. I think that when Charlie says all this stuff to Seth, it kind of dawns on Seth that I'm not how you see me. I'm really more like, well, Bill. Then you, then you see, and that maybe I care to admit, and maybe I need to simmer down. Mm. Good parallels here between these four characters. Yeah,
8: yeah, yeah. Very interesting.
0: At the number ten cylinder, while Bill is playing poker, Tom Mason is drinking a few more shots and a possibly a cup of coffee, and Tom will be ready to take on Wild Bill.
5: <laughs> so is that is that a known uh thing that coffee kind of cures your drunkenness? Is that a thing? It might perk you up for a little bit, a little caffeine.
2: Mm. Mm. How's Bill know this guy? Also af-
5: makes you jittery. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think it's a good combination. Does
2: Bill just know this guy's after him because he just catches him looking at him, or probably? Yeah,
0: it's probably giving away the game.
2: Mm-hmm.
5: Well, he's drunk and he's upset. It's kind of obvious that there's something going yeah. on. Either
2: this guy wants to kill me, or he's really attracted to me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> While Bill asks Jack McCall here what. Jack, what's your purpose at the number 10? Is it to play poker or is it to irritate him? Because if it's the latter, you're doing a heck of a job. And then Jack makes all sorts of gross faces.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, like sticking his tongue out behind the teacher's back. He's really a winner, that one.
0: Oh, he's gross. (laughs) Wild Bill asks Tom Nuttall for another $50 in credit, and this is when Nuttall says something like, I'll give you the credit, but I don't want the water getting any deeper. Mm-hmm. I Meaning, don't get any further in debt. I'm sure the title "Deep Water" has several meanings, but this could be one of them. Yeah. This is the literal deep water.
2: Oh, Mel, you didn't get your, oh. your catastrophic flood.
5: No, I know it was sad. <laughs> She's I seen really the episode. She knows
2: see... at this point that there's no flood magic. <laughs> I really,
5: I really wanted to see like a Noah's Ark just sailing in through the thoroughfare with <laughs> 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 like a giraffe's head sticking out.
2: <laughs>
5: yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It
2: would have been delightful. quite the event for episode two.
5: Yes, yeah, just the just the it just sails through and then that's it. You don't you know no <laughs> nothing. Just the water goes rushing through. Business
2: as usual. Business
5: as usual <laughs> after that. <laughs> uh.
0: Seth enters the saloon and this is when Wild Bill says, "Would you mind keeping an eye on the guy that uh, Tom Mason is with, the Be, uh, Phil, because something something's going on here." And Seth says that he will and tells Saul to stand back.
3: He's taking care of Saul.
0: Mm-hmm. A drunk Jane finds a drunk Charlie. She says she's off to kill Al Swearingen, and this is when Charlie runs up, restrains her, cautions her that if she goes into the jam and attempts to kill Al, she's never coming out again. Then she starts to cry, and Charlie hugs her.
5: That was really sweet. Because Al
0: scared her, and she hasn't been scared like that since she was a little girl.
5: Yep. I was glad that Charlie got a hug from Jane, because you know how he was complaining the last episode that she doesn't like him. Mm-hmm. And I think he's like, I think he kind of admires her.
0: Yeah. You know, I she so, admires him, but she yeah. always pushes his buttons.
5: Yeah. Anyways it was, But she
0: doesn't mean it.
5: It was really sweet though. Yeah. Like, yeah.
3: Yeah, she it was. It was really sweet and it was uh it really made me like Charlie even more.
0: Suddenly the hug is over. Her <laughs> renewed purpose is to stand watch outside the gem. She's got him triangulated if he comes this way or comes this way, she's got him. <laughs> yeah. But she doesn't know that Al is not gonna murder the girl himself, he's sending Dan Doherty to do the deed, so...
2: Yeah, I, I would know. never assume Al would do anything himself.
0: <laughs> Inside the gem, though, Dan is still stealing himself for this murder. He's still weepy, but he's he gets up and he goes. Back at the number 10, Tom Mason makes a play in Wild Bill. He doesn't even get his gun out of the holster before Wild Bill shoots him. And we already talked about why that might be, but Seth says to the room that Tom was reaching for his gun. The guy at the table—you don't know his name yet—but it's Con Stapleton. He supports this, and then a skinny guy named Jimmy Iron slinks out of the saloon.
2: So the, he didn't actually pull his gun or reach for his gun, did he? No,
3: no. I didn't see his hand even
0: go. He may have gun. may have been reaching, but it was a very slow reach.
2: So Seth lied for Bill.
0: Yeah, yeah he covered, and they all kind of covered for Bill. Yeah. yeah. Though, I mean, I I feel like they could have taken Tom down without having to shoot him. Yeah. But, again, murder to the family. So, Deadwood losses, we get to kill him.
3: Yep. If he's planning on murdering Wild Bill, I mean, he's going to continue to plan on murdering him.
0: Probably, yeah. Any other thoughts on this?
2: No, it's just Seth's probably... I wonder if Seth's respect for Bill has gone down a little bit from this incident and having to cover for him.
1: Mm. Mm-hmm. Possible. Or it did Seth uh does he have more respect or admire him because he could sense the room and he knew before anything actually happened. That's what I thought. Yeah, maybe. maybe
2: but Seth seems like the c- kind of guy who would, you know, want to wait until it was sure that the necessary.
0: Guy- yeah, mm-hmm. maybe he has less respect. mm
2: mm-hmm. Mhm.
3: Yeah, I mean, it's possible that he might have less respect, or it might be that he just has enough of a sixth sense about these things himself that he trusts Wild Bill's judgment. Mm Mm-hmm. At least for the moment.
0: So, outside, Dan walks by Jane. She yells at him. He knocks on the Doc's cabin door. Dan tells Doc, go see to the horrors. But Doc aims his shotgun right at Dan and refuses to move. Mm -hmm. Go, Doc.
5: Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: And then Dan says, all right, well, I'm going to go make this case to Al to let the girl live. We're going to go together. So, uh, yeah,
1: did. because, okay, this is what I don't understand. Why didn't Al kill the girl himself? Because he doesn't do it, he doesn't get his hands dirty. He has his henchmen go do it. But his henchmen are afraid if they don't do what Al says that he will kill them. But if Al was going to do it, he would have
5: killed the girl. He could have done it when he went in when Calamity yeah. Jim was there. Then yeah.
3: he would have had to do it in front of Calamity Jane.
5: Yeah. But then, I guess, yeah, I guess if he would have killed Calamity Jane, then he would have had Wild Bill on his ass.
2: I was convinced this whole thing was planned and that the doc would uh, would uh, get Dan to leave, and then when they were both gone, Al would actually come in and do it himself. Yeah. But I was glad to see that didn't happen.
3: I think Al only, only kills people when... Um, when it's safe for him to do so, and inconvenient for him to have other people do it,
4: mm-hmm.
0: it's also possible when he saw how upset Dan was that this was like kind of like a test, like let's see if he can do this, and then we know what he's capable of. Yeah, maybe. And if he doesn't, well, then we can figure out another way. Maybe I'll kill the girl. But let's see if Dan. Let's see if Dan can do it.
3: Has Swearengin killed anybody outside of the gem?
0: Not that we've seen. It. yet.
3: He's had other people kill folks anytime the murder has to be done outside of his own building there.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: When he's totally in control. I don't think he likes to make himself vulnerable.
0: No, definitely does not.
3: Killing a little girl in a doctor's office would definitely make himself vulnerable.
0: Back at the gem, Jimmy... Irons reports to Al what happened between Wild Bill and Tom Mason. Then Al arranges for Jimmy to get some dope, which Jimmy appreciates because his tooth is hurting. Aw. Mm. Yeah.
3: oh, Poor baby.
5: There's a, there's a doctor, but no dentist. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Dan and Doc report to Al that the squarehead girl must be under the protection of Wild Bill because Jane just absconded with the child. Yes. That we'll J- see this child again, I wonder. <laughs> Back then, a lot of doctors were dentists.
5: Yeah. yeah, they would have been, I guess. I thought barbers were dentists.
0: Barbers were dentists.
5: Barbers were also doctors, though. <laughs>
0: Boy, that's quite the job description. Doctor Barber, dentist wanted.
5: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Will we see Doc uh, Cochrane uh, cutting people's hair anytime soon? <laughs>
0: <laughs> if you look closely, there's a barber in the Gem Saloon. Oh,
5: is wow. there? Really? Yeah,
0: maybe. Maybe you haven't. Maybe they don't show it yet. But it's like in the corner. Kind of, when they show a shot of the bar, kind of look in the background, you'll see, um, like a barber stand. That's like odd. Awesome. A chair. Is, is they have they a it a barber pole? No, if there is a barber pole, but mm. they they do offer, like, shaving and haircuts in the saloon. Shaving a cut. Shaving a cut. mm mm-hmm. yeah. So Al brings Persimmon Phil upstairs. Phil offers to leave the camp for a little bit, and Dad could just put messages under a rock, and then every day Phil could check the messages. Okay, look, open the rock and look under for those messages, because that's a great plan. And then Al smiles and nods because we're all friends here, and that's when Al stabs Phil. So no more loose ends.
2: Easier plan. Also,
0: yes, it's easier than putting messages under rocks, but that would have been hilarious if we had seen Phil just checking under rocks like every episode. Like, nope, (laughs) nothing there. Okay. I'll just stay here.
5: <laughs> okay, yeah, two things. I love how desperate, uh like, that's a desperate cloy to try to live longer. You mm-hmm. know, yeah, there's no way, you know there's no way he's going to fall for that, but he still tries.
4: Mm-hmm.
5: And uh, what kind of a name is Persimmon Phil? What kind of a <laughs> name is <laughs> that? That does not inspire fear in me. <laughs> <laughs> Although I would love to have like a fruit attached to my name as well. <laughs> Can I be called right like
2: <laughs> Called what? Mango Melanie?
3: Mango
5: or Mango Melanie is fine. But call you, Melanie is fine. I did
2: call you Lemony one time oh, by yeah. accident.
5: <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Oh. Yeah. I, I I henceforth I shall be known as Lemony. <laughs> <laughs>
0: okay, Lemony. <laughs> Our very last scene is on the outskirts of the camp. Jane and Charlie are tucking the square head girl in as Jane sings row, row, row your... Bro-
2: god damn it! <laughs> and then they both sing the girl to sleep. I thought she said god damn it at first because she forgot the lyrics and she was chastising herself. <laughs> but, no,
5: She's just pissed off about him not being able to do acapella properly. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Aww.
1: It's coming it was- on a
0: round. So that's a great little ending.
1: Yeah, it was nice. Yeah, it was a good ending.
0: This mm-hmm. kind of feels like part two of the pilot. Yeah. yeah. In fact, because it, it happens the next day, it does feel like we're putting this whole story to
2: bed. Literally. Yeah. <laughs> and singing Row, Row, Row Your
0: boat."
4: Aww. Oh,
5: and and good story.
2: story. <laughs> Let's read a bedtime story to the story. <laughs> good night story. <Sophie.
5: laughs> <laughs> good night story. I love you. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
3: Where's your flood? They're singing "Row, row, row your boat" as they go off. Uh,
5: yeah, a- that's interesting.
3: Good point.
0: Uh, Carol, you had a question about oh, yeah. the song.
3: The ending music. I I don't know. It it struck me as something I I didn't know whether it was period or whether it was the end credit song.
5: Yeah, yeah. I thought it might be like a well, quote unquote, uh, squarehead folk mm. music. That's
0: what I assumed. <laughs> yeah. That's what I thought, too, but I did a little research. It's called Creek Lullaby, yeah. and it's a Native American song. Oh. oh. It was recorded in 1943 by Professor Willard Rhodes, the professor of music at Columbia University. He was employed by the Bureau of Indian Affairs to create a catalog of Native American songs. Wow. Which you can find in the Library of Congress under Music of the American Indian, Indian Songs of Today.
5: That's cool. Oh, okay. It's also
0: on a compilation album called A Treasury of Library of Congress Field Recordings, or the Season 1 soundtrack to Deadwood.
5: Oh, that would be awesome. So is it
2: basically made so that it wouldn't be lost to history?
0: Yes, yeah. and apparently there's like 3,000 or more songs, wow. uh, Native American songs, in the, the <coughs> National Archives.
2: That's amazing.
0: The singer on the recording is a girl named Margaret, who attended the Haskell Indian Nations University in Lawrence, Kansas. According to the professor's notes, the girl's voice shimmered in the room. Aw, mm. that's nice. The lyrics are, Baby notsa, notsa, Notza. Lotsa hopokan young si no thalagahis makito young si baby noza 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 which translates in english to baby sleep 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 father has gone to find turtle shells he said he'll come back tomorrow baby sleep sleep sleep
5: hmm. oh that's kind of sad <laughs> That's really it's sad. It's really sad because
0: she's an orphan <laughs> and, little- and, and, and father's not coming back for her.
3: Yeah, that's mm. really sad.
0: Mm. Did that answer your question, Carol?
3: Yes, thank you so much. I appreciate it.
0: You're very welcome. So, our, your predictions last episode. Carol predicted that Swearingen gets something over on Bullock. He kind mm. of, that doesn't really happen.
3: No, not really.
0: Matt predicted a flood. Mel predicted water world plus 37 baptisms. (laughs) 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 So, once again, you're all wrong. Um,
5: There was kind of a baptism with the dead body. I did say Uh, that... I dumped it in the creek. That was (laughs) kind of... (laughs) Oh. (laughs) So I was partially right.
3: (laughs) I did say that this was going to be metaphorical deep water and not literal deep water.
0: You did. You did. Do you want half a point?
3: Yeah, About half a pity uh,
0: point.
5: She gets half
3: she a point. Half a, a point. point from half my, a pity point. Baptism. <laughs> No, you
5: don't. <laughs> yes, I do. I no, you
0: have,
3: don't. I have a feeling that half a point might be the only half a point I get for the rest of the series, so I'll take it.
0: Well, these are going to be like long-running predictions. So if they, if we ever get the flood, or the fiery apocalypse, or the thirty-seven <laughs> baptisms, I'll be sure to let you know. <laughs> we got it's what? all <laughs> being tracked in my Google Docs spreadsheet.
5: We got a baptism. <laughs> he was dead, <laughs> but keep I mean. <laughs>
0: No one's buying no one's buying that. Yeah,
5: yeah.
0: Oh uh, so body count predictions Mel predicted zero deaths. Matt predicted five. Carol predicted ten.
3: Right. And, and I at the time I said it'll pro for some reason I want to go higher, even though logically it's, the second episode should be a lot lower. And it certainly was a lot lower.
0: But you never know when somebody like kicks a lantern over in a saloon and the whole thing, we find out ten people died. <laughs> it could happen.
3: Am I right that only two people died in this?
0: Yeah, only two people died. Tom Mason was shot by Wild Bill Hickok, and Persimmon Phil was stabbed by Al Swearingen. Mm. So both of the road agents were killed this episode, and one was the last episode. So Nobody got it on the button. Dang. I guess we could give it to Mel, because she was the closest. She is the closest. <laughs> yes. She is the closest. guess we'll give her a half a point.
5: Yay! <laughs> not,
0: I'm not enthusiastic about it, but I'll Aww. give it to you. Oh,
5: come on. <laughs> she earned it. I even did the Kermit uh, wiggling my arms in the air <laughs> when I won the Yay! point. Yay!
0: <laughs> All right, so we have some feedback for this episode. The first one uh, is a email from Nutty. She sent it a, like a day after the pilot after we record the pilot she could not wait which is a good sign i think because she was a little reluctant to watch the show for the first time why don't you read it carol
3: all right poor jane she gets so upset here and i feel for her hardcore i Mm. love how she's able to lean on her friend but also how she barks at him when he doesn't sing with her right away Mm -hmm. that little girl is going to be in trouble i'm not sure what's going to happen with her Bullock seems to have forgotten he's not a sheriff anymore, and there's no law there. Though something tells me he can just tell Swearingen is a piece of scum. I feel a little bad for Lassiter, rich dude, and his wife is a junkie that doesn't seem to care that his plans aren't working out. Then he plans to hire Hickok to take care of his problem? Oh, I think he expects his money will buy him everything. Hickok. I don't know what his plans are other than to gamble and kill, but I doubt that he's everything people think he is. Nuchas, host producer of Nutty Bites. Mm-hmm.
0: Thank That's you, nutty. nutty. Yes,
3: thank you. Thank you, Nutty.
0: She also told us on Facebook that she meant Jim Beaver. Her iPad or iPhone auto-corrected her to Jim, Jim. Butcher.
2: Right. <laughs> so, so uh, Likely story, right? Yeah. I mean, guys, she's it's, she... it's <laughs> nice cover-up.
3: Beaver is just as much of a word as butcher is.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Um, her use of the word scum there, just this is completely off topic and tangential, but I learned recently what the origin of the word scumbag is. Does anybody know no. it? No. It's an old word for condom.
0: Oh, <laughs> yeah. I think that does make sense. Well, totally makes sense. <laughs> it's though. gross. Yeah. It's it pretty is? gross. I have... Oh, this could be a good segue for me to talk about condoms. <laughs> I do. What? I do have.
3: <laughs> uh,
0: let me see if I can find it.
3: Are you going to tell us what the common condoms were yes. like that time? Yes. Oh, good grief! I've read stuff like this. All right.
0: I don't know how in depth it gets.
3: Was
2: it? Was it cast off rattlesnake skin? <laughs>
3: <laughs> that would be amazing. <laughs>
5: uh, that would be like the most badass condom you could get. <laughs>
2: yeah. <laughs>
5: With There's the, like fangs sticking out, or it's got the
2: tail on it at the end of it.
3: <laughs> I've, I've read some, but I don't know which period of of condom technology we're in at this point.
0: I'm still looking. All
3: right, should I fill with with some of the condom knowledge I? Yes. Have? Hey, I
0: go for it. it.
3: <laughs> want to hear it? Um, originally. <laughs> this is my useless information uh, portion of the show. Yeah. Um, originally, condoms were mostly used to protect the the man, of course. Yeah, and so <laughs> they actually used at some point they used corn husks. <laughs> what? How does that? What? That's what weird? I read somewhere. That I mean, they used all kinds of things, mm. but that was one of the things at one point they were using. And it, the whole idea was just to protect the guy from uh, disease. Yeah didn't they didn't they use cloth at uh, some point too?
5: I like, think they use
2: sheepskin sure. and other various things.
3: I'm
5: they sure they used like sh- sheep, uh, like like uh, intestines and sheep stuff
2: like intestines. That. Yeah,
0: you got it. All right, I'm going to read from the real Deadwood. Contraception was fairly well understood by the 1870s. But the methods were notoriously unreliable. Condoms made from the lining of sheep intestines were available in the 1700s. They were not preformed to fit the man's penis, but rather simply shaped like a handkerchief and <laughs> held in place during the act. James Whoa. Boswell, Dr. Johnson's biographer, complains bitterly about them in his comically frank London journal. Worse, they costed a dollar apiece, which would be around $25 today, which That's usually nice. meant that they were washed and used over. Because of their pleasure-robbing thickness, they were more commonly used in England and Europe than in the U.S., particularly in the frontier whorehouses. American males insisted on riding bareback. (laughs) Thus, the reality of birth control fell to the woman. One device in widespread use was a contraceptive sponge with a thread attached so that the sponge could be easily removed. Another method was douching with spermicides such as alum or zinc sulfate. Female (laughs) syringes were sold for this purpose.
5: Ooh, that sounds rough. Perhaps
0: most widely used was the pessary, or pisser, a precursor of the modern diaphragm. Made of wood, cotton, and sponge, the pessary was sold as a medical device for correcting a prolapsed, out-of-place uterus. But most Ah. women knew its real purpose, even if the men never caught on.
5: (laughs) 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 I love how the women are all sneaky about it. (laughs) I
0: I may have mispronounced a few words there, as I'm not uh, up on my period contraceptives. Right. So we just derailed this feedback in like an insane way. Yeah.
5: Let's, uh... You know, there's still such a you know, you know, there's still still such a thing as sheepskin condoms, though, right? Yeah. Yes, because a lot of people are allergic to latex, so they can't use that stuff. Yeah. So they use condoms. Anytime
2: acid. I think of those kind of old timey condoms, though, this is another tangent. I think of like the Fable games where you have a dog and he'll randomly dig up items for you, and sometimes he'll dig up a condom. <laughs> 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 Who's going to use a condom that was buried in the ground is and it, dug up by a dog? Is it
5: still in the wrapper?
2: Yeah, it looks like it in the illustration. Okay, well, then
5: that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> just check the expiry date on it.
0: <laughs> okay, next feedback is from Will. It's audio feedback, so I'm going to try and play
9: it.
2: Oh, I hope he I hope he uh, did what we asked of him.
9: <laughs> Hello, you all, everybody. This is Will. Uh just got finished watching episode two, Deep Water, and I wrote a few things down. Now, I'm not sure I ever knew or ever noticed that there was a naked woman in the credits until I listened to your last episode. Okay. Uh, I definitely noticed it this time. I guess I was all about the horsey. Maybe, um, you know, once I saw the credits the first time, I didn't really watch the credits, just listen to the song. I don't know. when we found out this episode that Al pees in a pot, not <laughs> something you necessarily want to see when you're eating lunch. Now, Now, if it was Seth Bullock, I'd be all for that. Did I say how much I love and hate the facial hair on this show? I hate it just because it looks strange. I'm sure it's appropriate for the time, but it looks strange now. But it fits everybody, so I kind of love it. Weird. Remember Ellsworth being one of my favorite characters? He had a really good scene in this episode with, oh, what's his name, Garrett. Yeah, the scene where a soul star and, hey, Reese, what are you doing? The scene where a soul star and Seth meet Swearegen for the first time, that was an awesome scene. That was priceless. And afterwards, I don't like that son of a bitch. Thank God you didn't let him see it. (laughs) That was awesome. And poor old Calamity Jane. she I hate to see my favorite characters cry. I don't really have trouble understanding the characters on this show, but without the closed captioning, I don't think I would be able to understand her, and I'm one of those people who always watches with closed captioning on, and we did see Bullock, did he lie for a while, Bill? It's an interesting little bromance forming there. Overall, this was another strong episode up there with the pilot, maybe even a little bit better. This episode is like when you're having sex with someone for the second time,
4: (laughs) you kind of know
9: them a little better, and maybe you're not afraid to do the stuff that you didn't want to do the first time. You don't want them to think that you're a freak. So, yeah, great job on the podcast, guys. I'll talk to you next time. Goodbye.
2: Okay, so now when he sends his feedback next week, this episode is like having sex with somebody the third time. <laughs> uh, I love oh, oh, so good
5: you said, I love Will, and then you raised your glass to open <laughs> I did. <laughs> <laughs> I love Will. <laughs> oh. You're already drunk.
2: <laughs> oh, I sent you guys a comic based on that thing I was telling you about. Oh, fantastic. Put that in the Facebook group, please. Yes. I will. Yes. Well, if you keep this part in. <laughs> yes. Yeah,
0: oh, the condom stuff's staying in. That's, that's historical information. It's why people listen to us. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> education. I'm going to pretend that's true.
3: Hey, <laughs> okay. but... By the way, when he just mentioned about the um, the naked woman in the, in the opening credits and somebody had said last time that they thought she was pregnant at first. Yeah. And I realized when I watched it this last time, why? Okay. Because there was a split second when it looked like she was pregnant because the hip, the way it's filmed, the curve of the hip, you can see that it's skin. Yeah you can't see that it's a female figure exactly like what you're looking at, but okay. the curve, of the hip is very much the shape of, um, of a pregnant belly. Yeah. And then as she sits down in the tub, you realize, Oh no, that's her hip that we're looking at. And we're looking at her from the back. Okay.
2: So you weren't that off that far off Mel.
3: Yay. <laughs> yeah. I felt like I needed to say that. Cause it was like this time it was like, Oh yeah. It did look like a pregnant person for just a second.
5: Mm. Yeah, that's good. I'm glad to be
3: validated. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Who wants Got to take? Stamp right here.
0: Who wants to take Harold's email? I can take it. Okay, go ahead.
5: Um, from Harold. These episodes are so dense, and there's so much to talk about. So I'll limit myself to a couple of favorite scenes in miscellany. For me, the most memorable scene in this episode was the one in which Calamity Jane metaphorically wets her pants when Jin checks in on the Squarehead Child. At Least I think it was only metaphorically, since they didn't do a close-up on her chaps.
4: (laughs) Uh
5: It's true. It raises the question of whether Jane is really not so fearless, or whether Al is that fear-inspiring. I suspect it is a little bit of both, but mostly, it is Al. The other big scene for me was the first couple of meetings between Bullock and Swearingen. These scenes seem like mere preliminaries, but it is fair to say that they don't like one another. Is Swearingen really concerned that Bullock is going to open up a competing bar with his new celebrity friend, Wild Bill? Or is his real concern that two former lawmen rode into town on the same day and have already been messing with his business and associates? Or is he just paranoid by nature?
2: All of the above. I think all three. Yeah.
5: (laughs) Yeah, I would agree with that.
3: Yeah, I'm right there too. Yeah. Also,
5: here's something that makes no sense to me. Swearingen says there is no point in putting a restrictive covenant on the sale of the property, prohibiting it from being used as a tavern, because there is no law in this town to enforce it. Well, if there is no law in this town, how can you enforce property rights like the ability to buy and sell the lot in the first place? Mm-hmm. That's a good point.
0: <laughs> I think you use Dan Doherty to enforce property you, rights. You use yeah. hired goons. Yeah. Yes.
5: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the funniest moment for me was the bit where drunk Ch- Charlie Utter thinks he may have crapped his pants. Okay, it is cheap humor, but it works. <laughs> Two other things I wanted to point out: I love how they depict the muddy swamp that comprises the roadway. It is disgusting, but it feels real. Does he? Is he talking about how, like, yeah, just okay, th-
0: what yeah. I call the thoroughfare? It's, yeah, yeah, it's yeah, yeah. Just yeah. A mess.
5: Yeah, I agree. It's it was really, really like especially muddy this episode. <laughs> um. I was worried that Farnham was going to drop his white bed linens onto the muddy street mm. until I realized he was only using them to cover up a dead body. They must not, they must have a hard time washing their bed sheets there. <laughs>
2: <laughs> washing anything.
5: Washing anything. That's why they look so dirty all the time, I guess. Um, also, I love the costumes on this show, especially for Bullock. The costume designer was Janie Bryant, who is now famous for her work on Mad Men. Hmm. At the time of Deadwood, she was going under her actual birth name, Catherine Jane Bryant. Is that it? That's yeah. where it ends. That it's where it ends. Thanks, Harold. Mercy. Thanks,
3: Harold.
0: I have an email here from Emily. Stephanie, you want to take this one?
1: Unfortunately, I I had to watch this episode this morning with my iPad in my hand and my other hand packing suitcases and one ear listening to the show on headphones and the other ear listening to a nine year old ask me a million questions. I'm not. The- <sighs> I'm um, nothing if not a multitasker anyway. Had to do it because we're on the road today. In spite of uh, all that, I have to say this episode had my interest. Uh, I thought it was really good. I'm definitely enjoying the story that it is unfolding, uh, that is unfolding through the, this episode. Nothing super exciting happens here, but I'm not one to complain about that kind of thing. I understand stories need to unfold and these kind of episodes are important. Uh phone. Uh sent that before I wanted it too. <laughs> anyway, I'm liking it. Guess I'll give it eight out of twenty coo cool, cool coo ointments. Coo- I, think. <laughs> I bet it was supposed to be
0: Cootie.
1: Cootie oh, oh, ointments.
0: Eight out of twenty. Wow. Eight out of twenty. She hasn't figured out our rating system yet. <laughs> so if I convert this again to ten, it's four out of ten.
5: <laughs> I think she probably liked it more than I that. think so. <laughs>
2: <laughs> maybe, maybe her phone just put 20 instead of 10. Maybe. maybe. People oh, on your I phones. Autopilot. The number? That's odd. Watching things on your phone, writing emails on your phone, it's a tra- travesty. It's, Use a PC. So
5: it's a modern travesty. Get off your
2: electronic.
5: <laughs>
0: <laughs> so our next bit of feedback is from Peter. And Matt, why don't you read that one? Did Peter send one in last time? He didn't. I don't think he's in the Facebook group. So Peter, if you're listening to this and you want to join the Facebook group and say, howdy, you certainly can
5: join us. But we
0: even if, but if you don't want to join Facebook, that's fine. I, I personally hate Facebook, but (laughs) I joined because of you got to be on Facebook for this little podcasting community. That's how we communicate. But we're just glad you're listening and sending in feedback.
2: Just ignore your wall and stick to the groups.
0: That's what I do. I don't post anything
5: on that wall.
2: Yeah. No, neither do I. <laughs> Hello, Hooples. Water is, usu- is usually thought of as an uneventful placeholder between the pilot and the events of the next few episodes. It further develops the plot threads from the pilot without really introducing any new elements. Yet, to me, it feels more like the true first episode. There are so many memorable interactions between characters, and everyone feels like la- like they have a place within Deadwood, both the show and the town. One of the most fascinating aspects of the show is how Al is presented as the central character, yet instead of being the instigator of the plots, he is given the role of reacting to all the crises, crises (laughs) that befall his operations. Here he has to deal with Persimmon Phil's ineptitude while also trying Mm -hmm. to placate Ron fucking Swanson. (laughs) work out how much of a problem little orphan Mets might cause and deal with these hardware guys who just won't leave him alone. On the other side, there seems to be a weird disconnect between the way Seth acts and how the characters think he acts. Charlie Utter seems to think that Seth has the ability to function in a society unlike Wild Bill, yet Seth is unable to work with anyone he doesn't see eye to eye with. I'm curious to hear what you think of the contrast between these two characters. Jane gets quite a lot of screen time here too. I found that she is very divisive towards both of the characters and both other characters and the audience. A lot of people really dislike how she is portrayed here, but there's something unique that Robin Wig- Weiger- Weigert, I think, brings to the role that I've never really seen anywhere else. She throws a- her ego away, and as a result, her performance is completely lacking any self consciousness. Mm. A more well-known actor would have probably felt the need to make it a little more glamorous. Take the scene where she breaks down after being confronted by Al. It's not pretty, but it feels more real that way.
3: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Anyways, looking forward to hearing how you're finding the show. I was slightly disappointed to learn that we had to wait a fortnight between episodes. (laughs) But I suppose it'll make the show last longer.
5: A fortnight. It will. (laughs) That's something that I do have to give credit to the show for is the real, the the realisticness of it. That's yeah. not a word. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the it, reality reali- of it. Realism. The yeah. realism,
2: yeah. Realism.
5: It's it's very honest. Yeah. I like that. I like it. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay, so I'm going to play some audio feedback from Dr. Moira.
8: Hey, Hoopalcast. Moira here. Finished watching Deep Water. Um, I had forgotten how dense this series is, by which I mean, it seems like every episode is so chock-full of, uh, little details. Al Swearengen is like the puppet master. He just, he's pulling everybody's strings. He's got his eye on so many different, uh, games going on at any given time. It's really interesting to watch that. And the same with him and Jane, um, at the doc's place, just, uh, it kind of breaks my heart about Jane because you see afterward when she breaks down with Charlie, how much that rattled her, and you get a, a sense. Um, just when she, she says the line about, I think she says, uh, "Haven't been that scared since I was a little girl," and you think, "Yeah, something real bad happened to Jane in the past." And I honestly don't remember if they ever give you more of her backstory. So this isn't. I'm not trying to be spoilery. I just. Uh, um, I just think it. It's neat the way the writers have given you these little tiny tidbits to give you the sense of the depth of these characters. Um, As far as uh, Timothy Elephant and his portrayal of Seth, um, Matt, I think you mentioned that you found his acting kind of stiff and wooden, and I don't know if it's so much that, or if it's just, if you look at the way he he carries himself, like the character, Seth Bullock, when he's walking down the street, he has this rigidity to him, you know, this unbending um, way of moving, and I think it's more that. It's not so much bad acting. It's more that there, he's trying to to uh, portray that Seth Bullock is this man of principle and he's carrying himself. And hes I think he's tightly wound. He's holding on so tight to try to behave in a way that's um, appropriate and above board. And he runs into an owl who is, you know, in many ways, he's like a conniving fox owl. You know, he's... He's gutter-snipe, but a smart gutter-snipe. And I think Seth can sense that. And uh, they are very opposite people. They are men um, just doomed to be on opposite sides of any question. At least that's the way they're setting this up. And I think it rings true, personally. So I'm I'm not unhappy with his acting uh, choices. I like the scene with Doc and Alma, where he calls her on her shit. That was very well done. I like Doc as a character, character sorry, in general. He just... He's got such nuance. I I have nothing bad to say. And it killed me, poor Dan, when Al wants Dan to go kill that little girl. And uh, God love him, he just can't do it. So, yeah. um, Again, it's just all good. I don't have anything bad to say about this episode. Uh, I like how it winds up the story. I like the way it gives us more insight into all of these characters. It's just so damn good. God, I love that you're making me watch it again. <laughs> well, not making me. You don't have me at gunpoint, but you know what I mean. That's what anyway. you think. <laughs> Alright, um, I'm going to give this one 9 out of 10 knife point negotiations. Alright, Till next time.
0: Thank you, Moira.
5: Moira, you have no idea about this, but we are actually standing outside your window right now. Check <laughs> for
0: the little red dot. Yeah. On
5: the back of your head. Yeah, yeah. See if you can find it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I want to mention that on Twitter, somebody messaged me who said, "Don't let anyone tell you that Timothy Oliphant's a good actor. You stick to your guns, Matt." <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: <Guys>. <laughs> <laughs> Timothy Oliphant's greatest greatest rival on Twitter, whoever that was. That's funny. He's I don't know. Const- I, I'm
0: sure he's fine in other things. He was he was okay and go. I just in this role, at least at the beginning, there's he's very stiff.
2: Does he just get by on his looks in Hollywood? Is that what we're trying to say? <laughs> How I, do you get these parts? He
0: gets better. Stephanie, what do you think of uh Timothy I, Oliphant's act?
2: Oh, swoon. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh boy. Well
5: see, that's the thing. You can't get you can't let the bias of a good looking man.
1: <laughs>
5: I, I think it's kind of a
1: mannered uh uh, shoot, what's the word? It's a mannered uh performance and it is kind of stiff, but I think it's that way on purpose. I think it's I uh, agree.
5: Uh, yeah. I agree. yeah, I
2: think I think Seth Bull is good as a big old stick up his butt.
5: Matt, you just have a crush on Timothy Oliphant. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I barely know the man.
5: <laughs> you just think he's an attractive son of a bitch. Maybe
0: I shouldn't judge acting because I think Kristen Cloak is fine oh, on right. Millennium. <laughs>
5: <laughs> I don't
0: know what you guys are talking about. She's okay. It, she's fine.
5: She's fine, but she's also good looking. So therefore you are biased.
0: <laughs> I just, sometimes I wonder if actors, if if I mute the screen, would I think that they're a bad actor just by watching their body posture and what they do with their face? Or is it their line delivery and their accent I feel the same way about uh, Sigourney Weaver? I can't tell if she's a good actress or not. <laughs> hmm. Okay, our last bit of feedback comes from Robin. <laughs> I'm old. Yes. Robin? I Mel, you can be the designated person who reads uh, no Robin's OMG. emails.
5: OMG, here you I go. get that privilege. I'm super modern, OMG. Okay. <laughs> um,
4: All right. Hey. I <laughs> just wanted you to know that. I'm
5: just making fun of Matt oh. <laughs> for complaining about technology. Hmm. Um. Hey, partners. Wow, what a tense episode. I was really worried for that poor little girl. Also, the fact that there were road agents out to pay back wild bill for their dead compadre. Deadwood is a scary place to live. Uh, Matt, stop moving. Sorry. The thing, I'll move it. Cause I can't read while you're like Scrolling. doing this. Sorry. Yes, yes, that's okay. Uh, <laughs> 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 Matt was scrolling the mouse. So I was like, what are you doing? I can't read. Matt, not- <laughs> cut that
0: shit out right now.
5: <laughs> he always does this too. Doesn't learn. Um Okay. Deadwood is a scary place to live. You almost have to respect Swear Engine for doing anything he can to stay at the top of that pile of shit. He actually spelled it Swear Engine. Uh, I have to just give kudos to three performances in this here feedback, and then I'll be on my way. Since it is late and the night is dark and full of terrors, wrong HBO show. That's okay, we got confused too. (laughs) One. W. Earl Brown as Dan. The tears in his eyes as he was preparing to do something that he knew would be in his nightmares until he died. It was so gripping that I had to crack up when Jane bellowed at him as he was headed to the docks. Hmm. 2. Brad Dourif as Doc Cochran. Doc probably knew what what the course of events would be as he was taking the little girl into his office. Brad Dourif is always known for playing the weirdos, but he brings something different here that is so intriguing to watch. He seems like he wants to do the right thing but I'm sure he's had to go along with a lot of things that keep him up at night. The standoff between Doc and Dan was a highlight of the episode. Unfortunately, I can't see him staying around very long if he's always working against L. The second another doctor rolls through town, he is toast. Probably. <laughs> yeah. Unless the horse really like his ointment. <laughs> Maybe it'll come down to a battle of ointments. Who has the better <laughs> <laughs> ointment? Uh, anyways. Three, Robert... Robin. Oh, Robin Weigert? Is it, is that the right? Okay, Robin Weigert as Calamity Jane. Miss Weigert just brings this socially terrifying, yet just adorable personality to Jane. I'm glad she got a hug. <laughs> Me too. She needed one after facing off after Alb all by herself. He scared the shit out of her, but man, her bl- blustery bravado, coupled with her gigantic heart, is one of the highlights of the show. Love her. Or, love her. <laughs>
0: I think it's love her.
5: Oh, okay. Sorry. Love her. <laughs> love. Stop. Her. her stop. stop. <laughs>
0: Pretend like you're sending a telegram. Love. Stop. Her. Stop. <laughs>
5: <laughs> Lastly, I just wanted to say that I hope, on the week that Parks and Recreation airs its series finale, that you all enjoyed seeing Ron Swanson. Ron Swanson. <laughs> oh, no. We could see Ron Swanson, yes? I can just see the audition. Well, Nick, we're going to need you to play a drunken outlaw out for blood, but you get shot before getting your gun out of your holster. Hey, speaking of, we're going to need you to go full frontal for this one, so hit the gym. You have a week. (laughs) (laughs) Hasta la vista, squareheads. Thanks, Robin.
2: Thank you, Robin.
5: (laughs) I resent that.
2: (laughs) Yeah, English people are squareheads, aren't
5: they? Yeah. Yeah.
0: So I sent a request to different people to record the articles that I got from the newspaper, newspapers. And I asked everyone, could you uh, read an article for me? And the only one who said, can I do an accent or several <laughs> was Robin. <laughs> I was like, of course. <laughs> All right. Well, that's it for feedback. So thank you very much, Emily, Harold, Moira, Nutty, Peter, Robin, and
2: Will. And Robin, you're not allowed to inject puns into the articles. <laughs> <laughs>
5: oh, he will. You know he will.
3: <laughs> hey, can I just, you know, this the last feedback we had where they were talking about the three actors and with what we were talking about before about Timothy Oliphant, I really feel like Timothy Oliphant made a choice that really set him apart from all the others.
0: In what way? <laughs> to be terrible?
3: No. <laughs> okay. No. I like his performance. I think he made choices that, you know, the guy is stiff. He's wound up. Mm -hmm. He's and he really does stand apart with that attitude. Everybody else is, as someone said about the his bearing and everything. um, Stephanie, I think everybody else is very slouchy. Everybody else is is a mess. Mm -hmm. He his costuming. He's always very put together. He's always very exact. And he is wound really, really tight, and I think he's doing a good job. I I like it.
5: Yeah, I can see that the the tightness and the wound upness because he's he seems to have a, a better bearing about his person, I guess.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so maybe that's. I'm surprised, Matt. If you think he's so terrible that you're using his likeness in all of your online personas, the character's so awesome. <laughs> oh,
0: especially okay. in real life, oh. he's this. I'll probably wait till. The end of the show before we talk like in depth about the real people, we kind of, like a recap kind of show, because I don't want to spoil anything or have you anticipate anything. But well, as, he as your avatar, did a lot. I mean, the real Seth Bullock did a lot of amazing things. Okay. Would well, you then s- you
2: should you... use a a picture of the have real s- Seth. But Bullock. you've
0: seen that mustache, right? Oh, yeah. Well, that's holy a crazy cow! Mustache. And no, I color, I like I like right? Timothy Oliphant. I just think he, <laughs> he's a little shaky at the beginning. Okay. He gets. gets I don't know. Either he, either the character loosens up or he gets better. I don't know which it is. I like him the farther along we go. Mm.
5: So you would say that Seth Bullock is like a personal hero of yours? <laughs>
0: <laughs> sure, why not? I don't think it went that far.
2: No,
5: no. I'm just no. I, just I, yeah, just why
2: not? Yeah. yeah.
5: Okay.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think
2: so. Yeah. All right. You mean the real guy? Yeah. Well, yeah that's what I okay. mean. Oh, okay. Good. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
5: Interesting. Hmm.
0: Okay. Well, th- again, thanks for feedback. It's I love it when people send in feedback. Podcast at gmail dot com. My co-hosts and guests don't like it because I make them read it. But, uh, I'm
5: uh, just kidding. No, we love it. Uh, yeah, we do. <laughs> we need we need it to
0: live. Yes, it sustains us. Yes, yes,
5: it feeds my soul. sweet
0: Delicious feedback. <laughs> <Yes>.
5: <laughs> okay. It All tastes right, like I'm-
3: bacon. <laughs> <laughs> Cannibalistic bacon. My box. Like people bacon. Yes.
2: Oh God. <laughs>
0: Episode ratings, okay. Who has a rating for me?
1: I'll go ahead and go and get it out of the way. Yes, race. oh
0: I should have asked Stephanie first. Guest oh. writes the guest goes first.
1: Okay. Um I g which I mean this was fantastic because I I feel like this is just an average episode. I feel like it gets better. There there are better episodes than this. I mean, I don't know. I can't really remember. <laughs> but I give it seven out of ten messages under rocks.
0: Ooh,
2: good one. <laughs> Uh, I liked it as well uh, Do you remember what I gave the the previous episode?
1: You gave
0: the previous episode 8 complimentary commodes Okay, yeah Because
2: I was going to give this one an 8 as well But I think I liked it a little bit less than the pilot But it was still good um, So I'm going to hmm. give it uh, 7.5 out of 10 Stinky people because I noticed how Dirty every and gross everyone is in This episode <laughs> <laughs> oh, They are <laughs>
5: they really, really are. Your turn. Ah, alright. Um, well, I think I liked it. I can't remember what I gave the last episode, but I think I enjoyed this one a Would little Would you like
0: to know? I can tell you you gave it eight fancy sure. fuckins. Uh, what? Eight, eight what? Eight fancy fuckins.
5: Oh. Well, I'm going to keep going with that theme, and I'm going to give it an eight out of ten branded snatches. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was my
0: rating. <laughs> <laughs>
5: Did I, didn't, I, didn't somebody steal your rating last episode, too? No, I feel like somebody's reading got stolen.
2: I did mine. Oh, it was kind of stolen by Robin. Ah,
5: uh, yes. Well, do you want me to switch to or something? Herald.
2: Or Harold? Or Harold? No, maybe. no,
0: no! Don't switch. No, I don't care that much. I'll,
5: no, wait. I've I've got it. It's
0: too late li- now. You're going to take no, another one, it, aren't you? Mel.
5: Ten moisturized snatches.
3: Hmm. <laughs> 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 anyways, <laughs> what did I give it last time?
0: You gave it eight stylish mustaches.
3: Oh. Um, I'm going to go with eight again, because I, I kind of like them both pretty much the same, and I've been thinking eight. Um, and I don't have any wonderful rating systems, so I'm going to go with eight murderous plots. Okay. Out of ten. Uh,
0: I like this one more than the pilot. I felt like this was just more cohesive and had a lot of great scenes. Okay. Uh, uh, fantastic scene for calamity jane and the doc overall whereas the pilot did a lot of setup this one we got right into it and i can't wait to see what happens next because we've just resolved like the big story from the pilot so i'll give this one eight out of ten because i gave the last one a seven and a half i'll give this one eight out of ten people urinating on the sides of buildings which they should not be doing <laughs> oh, agreed <clears throat> eight out of ten people urinating on buildings
5: what if you really have to go and there's no bathroom in sight? What are you supposed to do?
0: That's what your pants are for.
5: <laughs> just so you, Matt, what, just are you be discreet. That your just fatter- be
0: discreet. Sometimes you have to because it's an emergency. Hey, okay. but don't so don't have don't, a conversation.
5: Don't announce it to people. Don't talk to people. If somebody's like, "Hey, what are you doing over there?" You're like, "Shh." Nothing. Quiet, quiet! I'm urinating. I'm certainly not urinating.
0: <laughs> no, I wouldn't say quiet because I can't talk to you. While I'm going to the bathroom. I have. I would just ignore so, you.
5: So you. I'm not here. <laughs> or you could even just like lift a finger. Yeah, I might put my say hand like up. just a minute just and a minute. then finish. Yeah, then okay. I'm, piss- I'm pissing here. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you do when people actually talk to you in the bathroom? Do you actually? I ignore
0: them. <laughs> really? And then when I and then when I get out of the bathroom, I tell them. I'm don't not being rude, I'm just not talking I don't talk to people in the bathroom. That's why I was ignoring you. You're like, oh okay. Okay.
6: Right.
2: when you when you say you ignore people in the bathroom, it just made me think like some like you're taking a leak in the urinal and somebody tries to talk to you and you're just like la 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 <laughs>
5: <laughs> so, so wait, I need to know more about this.
2: You really don't.
0: <laughs> don't. No.
5: So when you're washing your hands oh, boy. is that acceptable?
0: Um no, that's not acceptable because no <laughs> no, no conversations at all in public bathrooms.
3: What about in the bathroom in your home?
2: <laughs> Why would you share that with a person? Well... Well, I don't know. You mean like if
0: I was in the bathroom washing my hands and you were, and the door was shut, but you were outside and saying, "Matt, I, I have a question for you." I'm yeah.
2: like, I've
5: got like a like a. I'm talking like I'm um, talking like I've got a toilet paper tube like stuck to the door, and I'm talking on the tube so you can hear me. Better. I
0: I feel like I would say what? no because that's a slippery slope toward chaos. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> we live in a society. We live in a society. Okay.
4: Uh, <laughs> I'm trying, I, I have something to tell you. <laughs> Go away. <laughs> yep.
0: All right. Time to nominate our character of the episode. We'll start with
1: Stephanie. My standout character, I was going to say, I want to say Tom Mason because, you know, seeing Nick Offerman as a different character was... Amazing, but I want to say Dan because all of these actors, you know, you see them in other things. And I thought, who is this uh, actor? I've never seen him in anything else. And he has the most prolific IMDb page of anybody in the cast. So um, W. Earl Brown is—he uh, was fantastic in this episode because because I was expecting Dan to just have this blind be under Al's control for... I don't know. I wasn't expecting them to give us a reason why... So early on, why Dan was a minion of Al's. You know? I just... I was expecting that.
0: There's complexity to that character that I think in the last episode, people in the podcast were talking about maybe not getting to know all these little side characters. Yeah. But one thing that I really love about this show is that even the side characters you get to know. Right. And W.R.O. Brown, amazing.
1: Yeah. He really got my attention this episode.
0: Who else is a character of the episode?
2: I liked Al. Ew! I know, I know. No. Sometimes it's fun to... No! No! Bad guys are interesting. Bad guys are interesting. Yeah, just see how bad they can get. He's kind of like Joffrey on Game of Thrones. Nope. (laughs) He's mine. I I choose Al. Who do you choose, Mel?
3: I do
5: not choose Al, nor will I ever.
2: Oh, she said that.
5: Remember mm. that I said that? Because I will forget. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so what do you choose?
5: I choose Doc because okay. he was awesome. Good choice. Yeah. See, better choice than you.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I choose Jane. Hmm. Yep. Didn't you I would choose her last
2: no, choo- 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 <laughs> no, I choose you.
3: Choose. No, I choose you. <laughs> no, last time I chose uh Seth. Uh-huh. Um, this time Jane. I mean it it's close with the doc. But Jane really had such a huge reveal, and and the actress did a great job, and uh, so I definitely go with Jane.
0: I'm going to stick with uh, Lemony here and go with Doc Cochran, because he (laughs) stood up to to Al, Mm -hmm. stood up to Dan. He was very sweet with Jane. I thought he just ruled this episode. Yep. So good job. Doc, you win the episode.
5: Yay! Oh,
0: it's a competition?
5: No. <laughs> we're all, And we're all winners for watching. If you put Jane, the doctor, Al, and uh, what's that other dude that she picked there? Uh, Dan, in a fight, Doc would win. <laughs> you, think? <laughs> you think so? I
0: don't think so. I don't, think, so. That. I don't, I don't think that would be the outcome. Maybe if he's allowed to have a shotgun and nobody else is. Maybe there. if...
5: He would get them all addicted to opiates or something. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Maybe like uh, Fierce Protective Doc versus Weepy Dan. Then he'd have a shot.
5: Yeah. But
0: Dan in his prime probably would pulverize
5: and then, and then our Al's poor doctor. Just, Al's just really tired because he's just had like an hour of sleep.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's probably why he's so cranky.
5: Yeah, so he's too cra- he's so cranky that he's not thinking straight. And so Doc can get the better of him. <laughs> I think Doc wins. All right. Uh, in a fist fight, Doc, he's going to win.
3: Doc needs time. Doc Doc would win in a fight, but you'd give him some time to do some maneuvering and stuff. And yeah. maybe
2: you know, Doc yeah. has knowledge of pressure points, like Batman.
3: Exactly. Maybe
0: he'll—he's got that probe that he used to that guy's uh, skull. <laughs> maybe he'll stab you in the
5: <laughs>
2: head with an he, ice pick. He
5: would oh God! Yeah,
0: yep. that's his wrestling name—the ice
2: pick. Or, <laughs> or, uh, <laughs> Or he just, or he just rub ointments on your on your groin. That <laughs> <I'm> just... <laughs> until you get numb
5: and fall asleep. <laughs> yeah. uh, but now I'm just picturing the doc with like a luchador mask. Oh, <laughs> uh... Brad Dourif! Oh, Brad Dourif is a luchador. Guys, come on, draw
2: it. Someone draw it.
5: <laughs> Someone draw this.
0: <laughs> get on, it Claire. The only, Claire, you're the only one we know that draws things. Draw.
5: I draw things. <laughs> Can well, things. then you
0: do it. <laughs> Quotes. Guest goes first. So, Stephanie?
1: I don't drink where I'm the only fucking one with balls.
0: That was from last episode, but we'll take oh, it. Oh, was
1: it? Yeah. Oh, shit. No, really? Wow. We got Stephanie to swear the, all on her own. a bad word. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, I don't know. Here, I'll put
0: the... one in Skype. You want to say that quote?
1: Yes. That, that's a good one. Okay. Okay. <laughs> And here's my counteroffer to your counteroffer. Go
3: fuck yourself. <laughs>
6: <laughs> so cute. All
0: right. Other quotes.
3: Why is your partner mad all the time? He's not mad. He's got a mean way of being happy.
2: Uh, this is two people. I don't want to talk about it last night. All right. Fair enough. I now pocket my notebook, sir. <laughs> <laughs> uh Mel? Uh.
5: No? I have, uh, I am stupidest when I try to be funny. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, and, uh.
0: And? You you wait your turn, Missy. (laughs)
5: All right.
0: I've got this quote from Jane to Dan. What the fuck you looking at? Like, he's a fucking Adonis. (laughs) What's your other
2: one?
5: I have a bunch, actually. Oh. Yeah.
2: Go ahead. Now it's a free-for-all. Yes. Uh, the only other one I have is, oh, oh what is this? (laughs) When he's getting, when he's getting, Charlie's getting hugged.
5: (laughs) (laughs) Aww. You even did the arm motions. (laughs) Uh,
2: He's all awkward.
5: (laughs) I want to say, I want to say, I have to prepare myself for this one. (laughs) That snatch is branded! (laughs) Uh, Anyways.
0: (laughs) I like This this one from Doc. Don't worry about me. I know what I am, what I'm not. (laughs)
5: <laughs>
3: oh that's sad yeah uh this one's why from- i
5: laugh <laughs> that's great why'd i laugh
3: <laughs> sorry this but- one's from one of the the roadmen or whatever the bad guys christ al i'm sorry for the bother <laughs> when he's referring to having al having to kill some people because of him
5: yeah hmm.
2: He's got
5: nothing but brothers. I, I like this quote from Jane. I expect taking care of the whore's business areas is a big part of your income. <laughs> Bu- business areas. That's, that should have been my rating. Oh. oh
4: you man. already had
5: two. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, I can have three. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, I have one from Al to Seth. What makes you talk to me in that tone of voice? Just love that. <laughs> yes, that
5: that is good. Matt, I want you to do this one as Jane.
2: Uh... Is she drunk at this point? Yes, she is drunk at this point. I was drinking out of the goddamn creek out of my own free will. <laughs> Thank you. Alright. <laughs> I don't have a good Jane impression. <laughs>
5: I just like the way you do the, the drunk marble mouth.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna have to actually put something in my mouth next time.
5: Yes. <laughs> that what is all my what about
2: my fist? Oh, no, that doesn't work. <laughs> Alright, well
0: that's it for is that it for quotes? Yeah. Okay. Yep. I didn't find this episode to be too quote worthy. We had a bunch. I know we did, but I feel like there are there are episodes where there's just lots that I write down. Mm-hmm. This one didn't So next week's or next episode I warned you I might say next week, but I mean in two weeks, in a fortnight, <laughs> we will be talking about episode three, Reconnoitering the Rim with What's our guest. That? Nutty. So, what do you think reconnoitering the rim is about?
5: What does that mean?
0: Reconnoitering is to look around or survey.
5: That's going to be dirty.
0: Yeah,
2: I just thought of something (laughs) dirty. Uh, Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Just scoping out some some person's anus. Okay. So, I'm going to write this down. (laughs) Matt and Mel (laughs) predict... Somebody's... Somebody's gonna get a uh, uh, what do you call it? Um, stick the camera in your in your ass. <laughs> okay,
5: colonoscopy or, Col- or whatever.
2: Colonoscopy, yeah. scoping out
0: someone's ass. <laughs> the
5: doctor Barenth- is going to parentheses,
0: parentheses colonoscopy. Big He's going to just invent medicine. He invents <laughs> colonoscopies. <laughs> yes, Doc Cochran invents colonoscopies. He yes, becomes, all right.
5: Becomes a proctologist. <laughs>
0: Doc becomes a proctologist. Yeah, is Mel's prediction, yes. and now we get Carol for the act. Carol, <laughs> tell us.
3: Well, I was trying to come up with something that wasn't dirty when I first heard it. It's like, but now you
0: can't think of anything but that. <laughs> no.
3: no, from the moment you hear it, I mean, it's it's you know, in context, it's just you know, full of filthy connotations. I was trying to come up with any mention of the rim of anything, like in this universe, and I haven't been coming up with it Although so they
2: call, like maybe the 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 top of like a cliff like this like a cliff surrounding something might that be the rim of some, like yeah
3: geography
2: <laughs> geography wise
3: yeah it would be and they are in the hills but okay I'm gonna go with it's another metaphor True. <laughs> not for filthy stuff okay. <laughs> part of it too I'm sure that there is a definitely filthy metaphor enclosed in the show, but I'm going to go with the idea that they are looking at the edge of possibility. The rim is the edge of how far they can go. And different characters, that means different things for them.
5: That's really deep. No no pun intended. uh, It's (laughs) going to be
0: difficult for me to say if that's an accurate prediction or not, because it's so vague, but it's it's good.
3: There's a reason I was an English major. It's, it's good at vague.
0: I think some of these titles do have double meanings or
2: triple meanings, so, yeah, maybe. Can you make anything more predictive, more. Okay. She doesn't have to. Yeah, uh,
3: that's all right. You can pin me down. Okay, so going with that idea, Swearingen is going to be seeing how far he can go with Seth. And the. Oh, oh, we've got the whole Hickok and dude thing going on. I never can remember that guy's name. Brom. So he's going to be seeing how much he can get out of Hickok and Hickok's going to be figuring out what he can do without getting his hands dirty. Cause I don't think he really wants to be prospecting out in a stream. That's, that's crazy talk for a guy like Hickok.
2: Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I, I'm going to make a little bit of a more serious prediction and predict that, uh, somebody's, like, scouting out new territories on the edge of the the land that they, you know, they know. Like, somebody's gonna be scouting out new new territory.
5: Alright. I'm sticking
0: with the original prediction. <laughs> <laughs> okay, how many people are gonna die, though, Mel?
5: A colonoscopy... <sighs>
2: <laughs> the first colonoscopy <laughs> could go wrong.
5: It <laughs> could go awfully wrong. Terribly, so terribly. So one. So wrong. Um, well, I don't know. Would they be brave enough to attempt a second colonoscopy?
2: <laughs> <laughs> and the first one would so horribly wrong. I wonder
5: if the doctor would try to do it on himself first. Oh, <laughs> no. <laughs> just to oh, test God. it out. You know how doctors always test things out yeah. on themselves first? I'm going to say, uh there's probably going to be a dog that dies, because he's probably going to try to, col- like, do a colonoscopy on the
2: dog <laughs> first. Get off <laughs> of the subject you just picked. <laughs> Just give a number.
5: Mm, I'm going to say three
2: dogs. (laughs) (laughs) Three dogs. It's very specific.
5: And maybe a pig. I'm not sure. Three dogs.
0: Okay, so no human deaths. (laughs) No. (laughs) No. So the answer is no. Zero. No, no, no. are going zero again.
5: No, no, no. I'm going
0: to go one. Go one. Okay. That was a lot of work to get to to one. (laughs)
5: <laughs> oh, right. It's gonna be this person. It's gonna be a long, drawn out death, though. Aww. I'm just saying.
0: One. Okay. One long, long drawn out death. Long and drawn, drawn out. Okay. But three dogs
5: and a pig.
2: Moving on. Matt. <laughs> okay. okay. <laughs> How many people people died this time? Two. 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 Um. Uh, two again. Two. Yeah. Carol.
5: I'm gonna go with three. Three. Oh, we're sticking with the low number. One, two, three.
2: Yeah. Yep. All Some- right. Somebody's got to be right this time. So
0: we'll see you in two weeks for reconnoitering the rim, which may be about colonoscopies or people <laughs> licking assholes. I don't know. It could, be about, it could be about a lot of things. It also could be a very deep metaphor about people exploring new territories, both physically and within themselves. So it'll be good times because Nutty's going to be here with us.
5: You do have to sanitize the rim before you go into it.
7: Ah.
5: <laughs> oh. <laughs> I'm
7: sorry. <laughs> I feel like we're
0: we've. I don't know. We've, we've gone down a rabbit hole that. Yeah, Mel's floating off. Very I'm dirty and I'm going sneaky.
2: down the rim. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! Stop it!
0: <laughs> Anyone want to plug anything before we go? I don't mean it like that. I meant podcast wise. <laughs> <laughs> um. <laughs> Stephanie, if you're still here, where can people find you on the internet?
1: Oh, well, if you want to follow me on Twitter, I'm at Steph Smith. Uh, my podcasts are right now. We're doing Potential cast. We're in season seven. We are almost finished.
0: Thank <laughs> God, back to Angel. Oh
1: God, yeah. <laughs> yes. Right, and, um, we're we're ready to wrap up, Buffy. We've, this has been going on way too long, and so we're we'll be excited to get back to Redemption cast for Angel season three soon, hopefully.
2: Yeah. Very cool. Yeah, yeah. Uh. <laughs> Twin uh, Peaks Podcast and uh, what we make a Sarah Connor no it's not Sarah Connor Chronicles it's just Terminator in general
5: Terminator. Podcast.
2: yes check out the first episode of that because I'm on it
0: talking about the Terminator
3: podcast. I listen to it okay. Yeah. Um, McKinley cast uh, Freaks and Geeks intro cast is uh, still going and we recorded last week so it should be mm, a new episode should be out soon
0: good yes that was the garage door right?
3: garage door yes
0: Oh, I feel so bad for Neil at the end of that one. Is that the bully? No, Neil's the Jewish kid who. So he's doing a like Shatner impersonation. Uh, he's yeah. He's one of Sam and Neil's friends, but yeah, that's a really that depresses me at the end of that. It's
3: one. it's pretty heartbreaking what Neil yeah. is going through in that episode.
0: Uh huh. I won't spoil it in case you haven't watched Freaks and Geeks, but people watch Freaks and it's a good Geeks. Show. It's so good So it is. It's
5: a very good. Show. It's one of my favorites. Yeah.
0: And I guess I'll plug uh, Intro to X, because I just recorded episode two of season six, Drive, nice. with Chris, who did our theme music. And I did the X-Files movie podcast, and at the end you can hear Brad read my Mulder fan picture. <laughs> Excellent. So, yeah. So there you go. So... Well, Stephanie, thank you for being our guest, the very first guest on Hooplecast.
1: Yeah. Thanks for inviting me. I really enjoyed it. It's
0: so great to talk to you finally. I feel like I've heard your voice on many podcasts forever. So I'm really glad that I got to sort of, you know, meet you through the internet.
3: Yes. Thank you, Steph.
1: Thanks for having me. It's a great show. I love it. I'm I'm really enjoying it. Cool.
0: So that was our discussion of deep water, and we will see you later.
2: Goodbye. Alrighty. I mean, Fuck you!
5: (laughs) Are you going to do that every time?
2: Yep.
7: Oh, fisherman, fisherman, standing by the sea, have you a crabfish that you can sell to me, by the wayside, I diddly-diedo? Oh. oh, yes, sir, yes, sir, that indeed I do. I've got a crabfish that I can sell to you, by the wayside, I diddly-diedo. Oh. Well, I took him on home, I thought he'd like a swim, so I filled up the thunder jug and I threw the bastard in, by the wayside, I diddly-diedo. Late that night, I thought I'd have a fit When my old lady got up to take a shit By the wayside, I diddly-died, oh Husband, husband, she cried out to me The devil's in the thunder jug and he's got hold of me By the wayside, I diddly-died, oh Oh children, children, bring the looking glass. Come and see the crab fish that bit your mother's ass by the wayside. I diddly died Oh, oh children, children, did you hear the grunt? Come and see the crab fish that bit your mother's cunt by the wayside. I diddly died Oh. Well, that's the end of my song, and I don't give a fuck. There's a lemon up my asshole, and you can have a suck. By the way, zied, I diddly-died, oh.
1: You guys, I have got to take my daughter someplace at 4 o'clock, which is 5 o'clock for y'all, in um, 30 minutes.
0: Ooh. All right, okay. Now, when you take her, are you coming back?
1: immediately oh i could yeah i could do that oh but shoot i gotta go to the i gotta take her to the tutor the math tutor
0: uh stephanie yes here's an idea when you have to go what about would it be okay if we played like the feedback during that time and then when you came back we could continue discussing the episode and then i can edit it later
1: that sounds good and i'll just mute myself while i'm gone
2: where you go okay
1: I gotta take my daughter to a math tutor. Oh
2: okay. Okay,
0: when you're ready to go, just if the if there's a lull in the conversation, tell me or you can type it in Skype, then we'll skip ahead to the feedback which would be a little weird for us, but we'll do that and then we'll uh then we'll resume the episode proper when you get back. Okay. Way no one's wasting time.
1: Okay, I'll Skype it I'll Skype it in top. I'll type it in Skype.
0: Cool. It's a <laughs> it's it's a plan then.
1: I'm so sorry.
2: No, it's it's okay.
1: Oh,
5: right.
2: Yes, we'll be jumping all over time. We'll be the, the end song. Will have to be. Let's do the time warp again. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, so Stephanie has gone on her little trip. All okay. right. So if it's okay with you, like to skip ahead and do the feedback section while she's gone. Sure.
2: I'm so confused.
0: <laughs> but when we resume, you have to remember that we haven't heard their comments yet. Okay. So you can't be like, oh, because so and so in the feedback said, yeah.
3: yeah. So how are we going to do the feedback?
0: just going to pretend like this never happened.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, where do we... Uh, let's see. You guys um,
0: are really testing my editing abilities. You know I'm new at this, right? <laughs> it's,
5: uh, it's going to be I'm learning
0: big, fast, I'll tell you. Yes,
5: it's going to be a good experience. Trial
0: by fire. Seriously. Yeah. Fun coincidence that I had already planned on talking a little bit about the costumes. Oh, this episode when he sent that in—that's
5: awesome.
2: Uh-huh. That I already did. When we oh yeah, okay. when oh, c- uh. <laughs> sorry. Oh, okay. I didn't know you're gonna bring him up. I in the episode. I did
0: already. You just don't you remember because <laughs> we're doing the feed. Actually, we did. T- no, we didn't. We talked about we talked about Al's.
3: Yeah.
5: And okay. See. See. So, yeah. so you didn't specifically say let's talk about the costume designers. <laughs> no, <'cause- laughs> I was
0: going to drop it in. We're also going to talk about Alma and uh, Seth later on. Oh. I, have, I have it, but we were all supposed to pretend that we we're doing this later.
2: Okay. 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 Your- oh, right. No, it's Here. okay.
0: I apologize. Let's <laughs> see.
5: Oh, I can hear Matt's blood pressure rising.
0: <laughs> you shall pay, Matt. For I three. can hear the <laughs> blood
5: pulsing in your veins. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: okay
5: it's funny how we're hearing everybody's blood vessels this episode (laughs) blood vessel activity
2: yeah oh it's an easy cut
5: (laughs) you know you're just gonna have to admit that Stephanie wasn't (laughs) (laughs) no
0: I'm perpetrating a con on the on the cast audience she was here the whole time just like we pretend when Carol's here yeah, <laughs> she's not. Okay, I'm putting in a. Okay.
3: <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean when I'm not here? I don't understand. <laughs>
5: yeah. We just have a little Carol puppet. and We just like put her
3: <laughs> and and then I just do a, a little voice.
5: Should get for you? Carol.
2: To, <laughs> she get Carol to pre-record some some phrases yes. that you can just play. Oh, we
5: can have a soundboard.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a Carol soundboard. Yes. Very interesting. <laughs>
5: Please, Carol, do this.
2: That's a good point, Carol.
5: (laughs) I agree.
3: (laughs) Oh, no, we can't have one that says that.
2: (laughs) I haven't left at all.
3: (laughs) I am still here.
2: (laughs) I just want you to know I am still here. Okay. All right.
3: Hopefully that problem will get solved by the way. Um I was I was on the phone for a long time with the with the internet provider yesterday.
5: You have suffered uh, greatly for uh, this privilege. Uh, <laughs> I would never leave you. It's just funny cuz I'm
0: I'm listening to McKinley cast and you keep dropping in that. It's so funny <laughs> cuz they're like, oh there she goes again. <laughs> <laughs> she just likes to
1: fly away. I, I know. It's so annoying. Oh, I'm so afraid that Morgan's going to call and be ready for me to come pick her up.
2: How far away is it?
1: Ten
5: minutes.
2: By car? Mm-hmm. No. Yeah. Mm, well.
5: Well, it's
3: okay. We can just... <clears throat>
5: I mean, if it's just ten minutes, I mean...
3: But then ten minutes back.
5: Yeah. Yeah. pick
3: her up. Yeah. So that comes out to, you know, 25 minutes We'll see what happens when the time comes. Okay. You'll so we'll just, play
1: yeah. it by ear. Yep.
3: yep. So should I start getting my Stephanie impression going so that we can yeah. cover? Yeah.
5: <laughs> I Let's hear if, that. I don't know if you'll
1: want
3: to take that. <laughs> I don't know. If I, have to, I have to think about it. Let's see. I have to get my voice a little lower.
2: <laughs>
3: and, uh, and then the accent. Just do a
2: completely know. wrong accent.
3: That's a good point. Then we can say it's Stephanie and everybody would laugh. Let's
2: do a New Zealand accent. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I'm Stephanie.
3: (laughs) (laughs) So, do I get half a point for predicting that we would have four parts to this?
0: Uh, (laughs) I don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) This was a seamless episode. Nobody left to drive their daughter Whatever, <laughs> no, Nobody was disconnected. It all went very smoothly, and Matt had a good time editing it. He wasn't bitter at all. <laughs> okay. Um.
3: That snatch is branded!